It's Friday. It's the end of the week. You know what that means? It means all of the worst possible stories for corporations and the government come out today. It's fantastic. We have some of the most important news to bring you. But everybody's out partying, and that's kind of the point, because the jobs report got released. It is the worst miss in 23 years. Unemployment went up, and now all of a sudden, the Biden administration, Joe Biden himself, he's like, well, okay, you know, look, we're dealing with the pandemic, and, oh, you know, it's, it's nothing to do with unemployment payments. And CNN writes an article saying the, the, the country is still reeling from the pandemic. Last month, when the job report was good, when, when jobs were, were, you know, unemployment was going down, Biden celebrating, saying, see, look what our administration is doing. Now that it's getting really bad, they're acting like it's not their fault. Surprise, surprise. Here's where it gets really screwed up. One of the reasons the jobs report is so bad is that unemployment right now is paying an average of $16 an hour. So nobody wants to go work. And the people who do can't because many of them who do have kids and they can't send their kids anywhere. They've got schools. Joe Biden's response we're going to give everybody more money. Great. That's just going to make the economy worse off. I think it's pretty obvious what they're doing. So uh, yeah, in other news, federal charges were just uh, laid out on the uh, Minnesota police officers, Chauvin and the three other cops. So they're getting charged again at the federal level. And uh, forgive me for being a bit pessimistic, but man, I hope y'all have uh, gotten ready for whatever might be coming. Maybe that just means chilling putting some Bitcoin aside or something. I don't know. Make advice from me, but I certainly am. Well, we'll talk about all this. Joining us today is the man who almost took down Joe Rogan. You were so <laughs> close, Dave. Comedian Dave Smith. What's going on, Tim? Thanks for having me back. And uh, I almost got Joe, but I will get you tonight. All right. right. Excellent. Oh, boy. Uh, for, those, for, uh, for those that don't, don't understand the reference, uh, you were on with Joe when the media did that huge thing about his vaccine comments. Yeah, but it wasn't really me. I was I got him going about other things. If you had asked me after that podcast what was going to get you in trouble, I would have named 20 things before the clip that they picked. But, you know, they went with what they wanted. Media with. Matters is watching. Yeah, <laughs> they like, always like, are. like Santa Claus. They That's know right. when you're sleeping. They, they know what you're saying. We got Bill Ottman. He's still hanging out here. Hey, hey here we are. Thanks right for having on. me back. CEO of Minds. You want to do a quick, a quick intro? Yeah. What's up, guys? Bill, CEO of Minds. Along with Ian, co- former co-founder, now hanging out in the cast. How was he a former co-founder? No, f- yeah, yeah. <laughs> Spank me while I'm down. He, Bill. Went, he went back in time and and told himself not to do it. You saw Looper. Looper, yeah, that was a very high mic drop sound that that kid made. Oh no, I, I, really? You know the movie Looper? You ever see that? Yeah, I never saw it, but I'm I'm familiar. Yeah. It's worth seeing. The guy's like a super villain, went back in time. Bruce Willis. A bunch of that nonsense. Super villain? Oh, that's right. Oh, that kid, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Hi, oh, it's yeah. the story of Donald Trump. I know Basically. Oh, yeah. Ian, Ian, yeah. Ian is here. Yes. Oh, well, thank you, Tim. Yes, Ian Crossland. What's up, everybody? Glad to be here. Yeah, and I am also here. Wish me luck pushing buttons for all these mad men tonight. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, before we get started, I have a huge announcement. First, you must go to TimCast.com and become a member to get access to our exclusive members-only library of content. We got so many podcast episodes. We got like full hours with some of your favorite people like James O'Keefe and Michael Knowles talking about things like how to stand up for yourself, why we must resist the establishment lies. But I got a couple big updates. Notably, if you click that big old beautiful members-only button, you can see you can now pay with Stripe. So for everybody who is saying, I don't want to sign up with PayPal, you have another option here. Definitely check it out. But if you go to store, you will see something truly incredible. Mm. There is a new product in the TimCast.com store. It is called To The Moon, and it is modeled off of the I Am A Gorilla shirt, because apparently that's the thing we're doing now. And it is a Shiba with coins bursting out from behind him, holding stacks of cash. 
And it says to the moon, it's a reference to Dogecoin. So if you want to get your to the moon and then to Mars, it says in the, in the URL, you can get your silly uh, Dogecoin shirt. I, I ended up making this one simply because I was convinced and I ended up buying Dogecoin. I'm not telling anybody to go buy Dogecoin, but you should buy the shirt. I'm allowed to give advice to people when it comes to me selling merch. <laughs> Funny but apparently you can't give financial advice. So it's like if you if you want a shirt, you can Isn't, isn't that weird? You can push what is clearly a depreciating asset. But if you tell someone to go buy something and go, I think this might make you some money, then they'll be like, all right, you're giving financial advice. But now. what's the real issue? You wow. get sued or something? Uh, I don't know. False hope. I yeah. wonder if that's just a meme, to be honest. Yeah, I, I know there's a lot of people who are in finance. Whenever they talk about something, they'll always go, now, I'm not giving financial advice. Yeah, why? But I'm just saying. There might be advertising is... law around it. Or people could be like, they gave advice and I lost money, so I'm suing you. Maybe. Is that it? Can they sue you for But that? I can say this. Don't buy Dogecoin. Yeah, buy the Dogecoin shirt. Oh. So you can't no one telling can people not. That. So what happens if you're like, he said not to buy Bitcoin, and then I didn't, and then Bitcoin went up, you know, a thousand percent. <laughs> I demand that money. That'd be the best lawsuit ever. <laughs> we go. You did not tell me how to get rich. Yeah. Right. How dare you? All right. Let's uh, let's let's talk about this this first story. And uh, man, we live in truly the dumbest of times, I suppose. The Daily Mail runs this story: Why no one needs to work in Biden's America. Experts project anyone who earned $32,000 before COVID could now earn more in benefits staying home. The average weekly unemployment benefit is now $638, $300 more than what it was in 2019. That means people are earning around $16 an hour, more than double minimum wage, which was at least $725 across America. Not even that. If you're living in New York and you're getting $15 an hour working fast food, you're like, eh, might as well just quit. I'll get a raise. Yeah. They raise if it don't work. So this is all this is this. So they say it's creating a nightmare scenario for the economy. Businesses are desperate to recover from the pandemic, but they can't fill their jobs. The funny thing is there's 7.1 open jobs. I guess that's like the number that comes from the government. 266,000 jobs created in April because people are going in. They're like, how much do you pay? And they're like 15 an hour. And they're like, meh, I'm how, going home. You said 7.1 million jobs, million jobs open. are open right now looking for people to work. And there's how nobody many, wants to do it. How I, I know for? I know at least five people who are doing the unemployment thing knowingly avoiding work yeah. because of it. Well, this is actually I don't blame them. Not every single person. So when I was I think I was maybe 20 or 21, I, I got unemployment for losing a job. And the people at the unemployment office literally told me not to take a job that was paying less because it creates a dependency. So like I, I was talking to them and they were like, look, look for work. We don't expect you to take a really low paying job because the fear is that if you can't support yourself, you'll just be right back here on the phone again. So find a real job. It's like, oh, okay. All right. That, that's what they told me. They were like, otherwise, we just get too many people who keep taking bad jobs and can't sustain themselves. Well, what do you think's happening now? People are getting 16 bucks an hour. They're like, there's no way I can take 15 bucks an hour because I can't pay my bills. Right. I'm getting more unemployment. And, and I think it's actually a bit worse than that because if you, if you actually think through the logic of the economics of it, right, it's not just that if you're getting paid $16 an hour to do nothing, that doesn't just mean like, oh, okay, well, I'll only take a job for $17 an hour. That means that a job at $17 an hour is effectively a job at $1 an exactly. hour. That you have to work for $1 mm-hmm. an hour. A job at $20 an hour is $4 an hour. Plus, you got to get up every day. Plus, you got to pay for gas or transportation or this. So now it comes back down. I mean, you, you, it, it really throws the incentives wildly off. There's good news here, though, 
because the uh, backdoor UBI experiment has proven it doesn't work. Mm. And so let's just get UBI out of there. Sorry, sorry, UBI enthusiasts. I think Joe uh, is a UBI enthusiast. Yeah, well, it, it's a question of who it doesn't work for. You know, I mean, it certainly doesn't work for the taxpayer. I suppose it works for the people who are collecting these benefits temporarily. But what does it actually do long term? You know, if you can just imagine, like imagine if we were just on a desert island somewhere and you were like, okay, we're all poor. We're on this desert island. We got to work. Someone's got to pick fruit. Someone's got to fish. Someone's got to build shelter. We got to work. And then someone else said, well, I'll just, uh, I, I got paper in my pocket. I'll supervise. And I'll just, yeah, I'll, I'll supervise and I'll start d- divvying out the paper amongst us. And they go, don't worry. You're really wealthy because I gave you this money. That's basically the game that we're <laughs> playing right now where it's, it's less and less people actually producing anything. Well, but we can pretend we all have wealth because we're passing around these paper Federal Reserve notes. Well, this actually is extremely beneficial to, you know, the Great Reset Davos group kind of people. Because think about it. Right now, they have created a system in which people will make more money not working, which means no consumption, no plastic, no pollution, no waste, no gas being used, no carbon emissions, just people sitting around being like, oh. And the best part is they're dragging everyone else down with them. So it's like it's the ultimate crabs in a bucket. The only issue is the crabs, you know, crabs in a bucket is crabs Mm -hmm. in a barrel. Right. Whenever a crab tries to get out, the other crab pulls it down. That implies that one crab is like, hey, you can't leave or I'm going to climb out of you to escape. In this instance, it's people just being tied to the other crab. Like all the crabs are tied together. So when a bunch of crabs are like, nah, we're better off in the bucket. Don't leave. The ones that actually want to do better are being weighted down by those who don't. What's happening basically is people got to understand this. Dollars are meaningless. A dollar is just the current representation of the value of the labor you've traded. And it only really matters that day because the value keeps changing because it's a deflate, you know, it's what is it, inflationary currency. It's, mm-hmm. It devalues itself over a long period of time. So you go and work, you get 10 bucks. If you sit on that money, it becomes worth less every single day. The reason it is because the government just prints and borrows money. So what's happening is you create value with your labor. Let's call it a unit of labor. One hour, you create one hour. And then someone comes up to you and says, I'd like to trade you one hour of my labor. The only problem, they didn't actually have any real labor behind that dollar because the government just printed it and gave it to them. So the total amount of value in the system stays the same, but the total amount of trade currency to to exchange value keeps going up. Yes. And if I could take that a step further, because you're absolutely right. If you were to uh, enslave somebody and take an hour of their labor, I enslave you for an hour, and I ta- you were a slave for that hour. That unit of your hour was ill-gotten by me because I enslaved you. Yeah. But if you work for that hour and you get one unit of Federal Reserve notes, and then I print that money away and, stole- and slowly steal it from you, what have I really, in effect, done other than retroactively enslaved you? For the time that you work. Yes, but you're still happy. Well, for the, for a little bit. I don't it's, know. It's this country, really matters, this huh? country doesn't seem that happy to me. Mm. Yeah, but for stupid reasons. For, for like the stupidest of reasons. They think Nazis are running around everywhere. It's like, have you gone outside? That's just not reality. You know, in addition to what you guys are talking about, about the value of labor and the Federal Reserve note representing that, not only are they printing more notes and hoarding them so that the value of the actual note to labor ratio is devaluing, but people aren't actually doing labor. That's my so point. So there's even less value. That's, that's what I just said. And and so it's one thing like after World War II, modern monetary policy printed a bunch of extra money so that they could create production to then pay off the debt 
that they that they created. Right now, we're just printing the money without the production creation. But they're probably doing it for the same reason. So a lot of people talked about how all these blue states had massive debt. And then they're like, we better pump trillions of dollars into the economy right. and then shut down all the small businesses. So only the massive multinational corporations take all that money. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, one of the huge differences, right? Okay, so a- after World War II, as we were, we were talking about before, right, there's every industrial country in the world was destroyed in war except America. I mean, we fought the war abroad, but we weren't destroyed a- at home. Our productive capacity was intact. And on top of that, we had the Bretton Woods Agreement. So there was some limit to the amount of money that the, the government could print. After 1971, when Richard Nixon, uh, Richard Nixon took us off the gold standard, then it really became a free-for-all, where we could just print as much money as we want. And a lot of times, left-wing people will point back to the early 70s as this time where even Bernie Sanders, I think, point, points to this sometimes, where he goes, you know, since the 70s, wages haven't kept up with productivity. And all of a sudden, the real super rich are getting really, really rich, and the working class doesn't have the same rise in standard of living. And this is what it all comes back to, is that if you have a government that can print money out of thin air with absolutely nothing to to restrain it you're going to get an awful crony fascistic economy it's it's really simple man you are sitting there holding a big beautiful cheeseburger that you cooked for yourself and i walk up and i have a rock in my hand and i say trust me this rock is valuable i'll give you this rock for your cheeseburger and they're like deal and then you're then you take that cheeseburger you gave them nothing for it but they think it's valuable or it's just slowly eroding the value away. So the government can come in, do no real work, buy things, convince people to do things, services, labor, resources, and they're not putting anything into the system. Right. Well, listen, this is what Ron Paul used to always say, which I think is like the best way to look at it, right? Is that all the government can do is tax. Now, there's three forms of how they can tax you. They can just tax you, in which case you pay your taxes, or they can borrow money which is basically just a promise that they'll tax you in the future, or they can print money, which is, in effect, a tax because right. it robs the value of your money. It's he still all the says thing. those things, Dave. He still says those. He's not dead yet. <laughs> That's a good point. He still sa- he says them more than ever. But what I mean is we that you, Ron. When, he was, when he was running for president, he used to make these points. You're right. The great well, Ron Paul still says these things. But the point is that the government, if you just think about it like this in the terms you were laying out, right? All that is happening is there's production. That's how wealth is created, is things, people produce things. They work. The government doesn't produce anything. All they Uh, do is take from us. Bureaucracy? They're really good at making bureaucracy. Yes, but bureaucracy does not produce anything. (laughs) We have to pay for the bureaucracy. Now, 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 now hold on there a minute, uh, Dave. Couldn't uh, an average working Joe like myself just learn these rules and exploit this system to benefit in much the same way the wealthy do? Well, how would you do that? Well, so you understand how they de- they, they, they deflate these currencies and things, right? Mm-hmm. Or I'm sorry, they, they inflate. inflate the currencies. They devalue the currencies. So if you take out a really massive loan and put your money into a hard asset that will appreciate, say, property, then when the dollar continues to become worthless, the debt you owe to the bank is substantially worth less as well. Right. So the rich people who are holding debt in dollars, the value of that debt is diminished, but the hard asset stays the same. 
I feel like you're just telling me your life story, but yes, <laughs> theoretically. Well, look, yeah, look, if you can get access to a loan, then yeah, certainly there are things that you can invest in that could perhaps be a hedge against inflation or there's a, you could invest in precious metals or in, in cryptocurrency or something like that. But regardless of that, the vast majority of people probably are not going to invest in those That's things. The point. And they're they out there working and basically supporting. If you wonder, you know, there's, it, it's funny because sometimes, uh, people like Bernie Sanders, uh, is just the example that keeps popping in my head, but he'll say these things like, he'll be like, did you know that, you know, the, the, of the new money created, you know, whatever the numbers are, 90% has gone to the top 1% or something like this. And he's right. Like his numbers are right. But you look at what we've had since Obama, say really since 2008 to now, we've had record high government spending, more uh, higher government spending than any government in the history of the world, and interest rates have basically remained around zero the whole time. And that's what's leading to all of this. But, but isn't it true that by creating this system, a wealthy individuals or people of, of even modest wealth are able to hedge their money, retain value? devalue their loans, and thus it keeps the rabble out of politics. You know, we can't have poors running around actually dictating how we do things in this country. Could you imagine? What, what, what You watched The Patriot recently. I'm joking, by the way. But you watched The Patriot yeah. recently, and you have, I think it was Cornwallis, and he was like, you must stop targeting our officers. Could you imagine what war would be like without gentlemen? Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> like, that's kind of, that, that's, that's, I feel like that's kind of the attitude, because what we're seeing with this kind of policies, like, so, so Joe Biden actually is saying right now, after all this comes out, he's like, no, I think we should print more money. You know why? Rich people, they, t- their, 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 their assets are in, you know, their, 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 their value, their, their money is not in dollars. So when $1 tomorrow is now only worth the equivalent of 50 cents, well, they're holding gold or they're holding right. Bitcoin or they're holding property and real estate. The loans to the bank go down for all the rich people and the poor people, but the poor people also don't have any money to begin with. So if you're of, of modest means and you've got, you know, a thousand bucks in the bank, tomorrow you got $500 worth in the bank, your loans may be only worth half as much, but you still don't have any money or any appreciating assets. So the things you do own, you're, you're not really gaining all that much. Your job isn't now paying you more money all of a sudden. So they're, they're printing out unemployment at 16 bucks an hour. So nobody is producing anything, but they're still demanding things. They are rapidly de- deflating the economy, which I'm sorry devaluing. Yeah, yeah. I keep mixing it up. And so what's going to happen is the rich are going to get richer at rocket speed and the poor are going to get poorer at rocket speed. That's it's it's right there, you man. You saw last year with Amazon. I don't know what their actual value yeah. increase was, but it yep. was off the charts. Unexpected. I mean, if you'd really thought about it, you would have seen it coming. But yeah. look, look at this. We here at Timcast IRL are relegated to drinking RC Cola. <laughs> One of the the economy is, I'm just kidding. Our RC is fantastic. Tim's been Coke. very excited to shout out RC. That was a... <laughs> I'm like, I make sure that we don't get that Coke garbage in this house. <laughs> that. that was actually an upgrade for uh, for Timcast was we were finally, you've making enough money, you can pull off the RC Cola. That's actually really. true. Yeah, because most people would just go to the store and get what they can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's going to be Coke. At this Pepsi. point, you got to work to Special get RC. Special ordered RC, man. Well, look, I mean, what, what drives me crazy about it is every single time when these politicians Joe Biden does it all the time where he says well you know uh, it's the pandemic that destroyed all of these jobs I mean let's get real it's not the pandemic it's not the virus that destroyed the economy it was, it was China government lockdowns <laughs> well no it's not even China <laughs> and it was the Chinese government by the way who allowed the pandemic to get out right like there were Chinese doctors who blew the whistle on this right. whole thing and they're somewhere in a Chinese prison right now if they're still alive 
But it was our own government. Even forget what China did. It was our own government that locked down our economy and destroyed it. They're still locking down the economy in most of these blue states, and they're still destroying the economy. Even when there is no even plausibly uh, reasonable scientific argument to do so. I mean, like, you you look at Florida and Texas and the fact that they're open back up and that they're doing better than the national average, despite what Fauci predicted would happen when Florida and Texas opened up. And the fact is that we're basically at a point now with COVID where even though, I mean, look, this was obvious from about April 2020, but right now about 50% of the adult population has been vaccinated. Of the other 50% who hasn't been vaccinated, I've seen estimates from 30 to 60% have had COVID at some point and have some natural immunity to it. On top of that, we basically know now that asymptomatic spread is very, very low if it happens at all. So the idea of these super spreader events are pretty much over. Like that, it's none, just none not of a that reality. matters because the TV doctor said so. Well, that's right. Dr. Phil. Uh, epidemiology department says that uh, <laughs> we we have to keep locking down. But, so all of this is now self-imposed or government-imposed. It, it, was, harm. it was it was always though. Yeah, but we're 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 almost beyond this because now, if you look to Texas and Florida that are doing really well, they are still going to be harmed by the current economic policies of we are going to give everybody sixteen dollars an hour equivalent unemployment, yeah. and so that means people in Texas are going to be like, why, why, why do I why should I work? Yeah, the response to this has been absolutely insane. It makes me exactly what you were describing just now. Makes me think sometimes when people get severely ill or something like with cancer, and then they take some sort of radiation therapy like chemo, and the chemo ends up doing more damage to their body and and destroying their body, and they die. But then not always. But but if that sometimes if something like that were to happen, they would call it a cancer death, even though the medication was so toxic. That maybe it was a, a medic, the medication killed the person. But I, I, it's I always just, measured as a cancer death well, for the okay. most part. And I, I feel like no. the response to the COVID thing has done more damage than COVID did. There's only it so, seems like listen, that, I, I don't like that argument because there's only so much we can do as human beings trying to trust the experts. The issue now is that you have Texas and Florida doing really, really well. So it's not this argument about cancer and chemo and, you know, oh, I, the doctor said this. No, it's like literally Texas and Florida have opened up. Many other states haven't even shut down. I think South and North Dakota's economies have actually grown a little bit relative to the, and, and, and they're seeing similar COVID rates. So now it's it's about time to maybe get back to business and maybe have some some protection for the, the weak, the vulnerable, you know, the, the people with immunocompromised. And we should have done that a long time ago. But I, I, we're not even, it's not even necessarily about the pandemic at this point. The issue is, we're supposed to be getting back to work. They've administrated how many vaccines? Like 100 million or something. And they're still, the problem is, in March, we saw this massive job growth and Joe Biden was clapping for himself right. and patting himself on the back. And now they're still t- saying they're going to ramp up unemployment. Why? I, I thought, like, the, uh, so West Virginia just announced the mask mandate's going away. It's, that's it. They're done with it. Texas and Florida reopened up. People starting to reopen. So now we're in an economic um, economic policy issue that has nothing to do with the pandemic at this point. Now they're literally just giving people money that's going to stop them from working. And it's funny because this is exactly what they were saying last year when there was a few Republicans. I think Thomas Massey was one of them. They were like, we shouldn't give people more money than they could make working because then no one will work. Duh. And the, the, the response on the left, this is what I got to say, man. Anybody who comes to you and says, you just want poor people to suffer, tell them to shut up. Anybody arguing that people shouldn't have to work are not serious people. They're just trying to steal from you. 
That's it. It's like someone in, in your house and there's dishes everywhere and you're like, look, we gotta do chores. No, man, you're just oppressing me. I shouldn't have to do any chores. Like chores are dumb. No, sorry, man. Everyone's got to pitch in to make sure the house is clean and make sure things are being produced. You got a large faction of leftists who are screaming, I shouldn't have to work. We should not be listening to those people. Those are the, those are kids. Those are the children in the house screaming like, what do I have to do the dishes? Because we're all working in this house together to make the house function. The people who don't want to do any work, you know what you end up with? You end up with some, some kids like a 30 year old child living in a basement, just like really hairy and greasy and just not doing any work and being like, shut up, mom. I don't want to work. Stop, stop, stop giving these people things. They're well, not, they're not serious people. Well, look, and, and I will say that there are, I'm sure, some people, uh, in fact, there definitely are some people in situations that are really, uh, awful situations where it's hard for them to work, where they, you know, for whatever reason. But the point to me is that, look, economics are realities. And you can't just pretend that they're not if they don't feel good. In the same sense that uh, I'm sure most people on the left would understand, like, why is it that you want to subsidize green energy uh, and you want to tax nicotine, right, or cigarettes? Because you know if you subsidize something, you're going to get more of it. If you tax something, you're going to get less of it. That's just those are just economic realities. They don't have emotions. That's just the reality of the situation, just like, you know, in some sense, like the laws of physics. This is what you're going to get. So if you subsidize people not working and then tax people for working, you are going to get less people working uh, than you otherwise would and more people not working. So we have to be adult enough to deal with those realities that if you're going to pay people to not work, Regardless of what the situation is, you're going to get a lot of people who otherwise would work now not work. Check this out. Check this out. We got the story from Fox. McDonald's drive through customer spots savage sign telling people to be patient. No one wants to work. This is kind of incredible to see someone at McDonald's actually put up because it's uh, it's their photo. There's there's a video of it. I can't play the video. Well, actually, I think I can, but I'd rather just read it. So it's a, a TikTok user named Brittany Logan spotted the sign called it Savage. It says, we are short-staffed. Please be patient with the staff that did show up. No one wants to work anymore. Picture this. You're driving on the open road, taking in the beautiful views this country offers. Then out of nowhere, you hear a noise and your car breaks down. While still frustrating, you feel protected because you have a plan through CarShield. CarShield has helped millions of drivers from having to pay back-breaking car repair costs. All you have to do is call before a breakdown. Plans can pay for expensive repairs on your out-of-warranty car, truck, or SUV. All for CarShield's low monthly rate that never goes up as long as you cover your car. With a plan through CarShield, you get protection on over 5,000 major parts and systems with just a visit to carshield.com slash carlson. I'm talking big money items like your transmission, engine, electronics, and so much more. CarShield is here to keep you moving forward and make car breakdowns and the repairs that follow just a tiny bump in the road. Go to carshield.com slash carlson. Protect yourself from the unprecedented rise in costs for parts and repairs. Visit now to save 20%. Carshield.com slash carlson. That's carshield.com slash carlson. Yeah. Man. The great Elon Musk quote, if you don't make stuff, there's no stuff. Yeah. (laughs) But. Very controversial. Simultaneously, he supports UBI. Mm. Sort of. I've heard quotes. Listen, listen, listen. Am I going to cry about, you know, chemical garbage food not being pumped out to the to to poor people? Not really. It is a problem. Don't get me wrong. But part of me deep inside is like, I just want to gloat that McDonald's can't 
you know, keep cranking out this chemical garbage food. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I, I certainly understand that. I also do wonder how much uh, of a factor is the is, you know, the fact that people have been really, I mean, like the psychological damage over the last year is really something. I mean, pretty much everybody in the positions of authority in this country were just working overtime to terrify the American people about this floating abstraction of a germ that they have to live their lives in constant fear and always be inside and covering your face and social distancing. And I'd imagine there are some people that you mix that in with the economic incentives of like, we'll pay you a little bit if you don't work. There's probably a lot of people who are, are like really scared. Well, that, I, I, it reinforces I, the belief. Yeah. But I, I don't I honestly I don't know, man. I think it's probably just a lot of people being like, don't got to work, ain't going to work. You know what <laughs> I mean? There's a lot of that, too. Like, look, look, before any COVID stuff, we saw the Green New Deal. And what did it say? That the, the frequently asked questions put up by uh, AOC. Unwilling they or unable. Unwilling to work. work. They uh-huh. said they were going to provide, what was it say, economic access to those unwilling to work. Unwilling. It's like your parents going down to the basement and they see you sitting there in your own filth. and like, get a job. No, shut up, mom. Then AOC's like, we should help him and give him money. The best part of it was that they put it up on her website in the in the frequently asked questions. And then when people started making fun of it, they were like they were like offended that you'd bring it up. You're like, oh, you're gonna bring up that old thing? And you're like, it's from your website. Like, what? Yes, we're gonna ask you about it. So and then was, they said it was a first draft. Right, right, right. It wasn't there, supposed to go up. There's a viral meme where somebody tweeted. It's like a viral tweet. He, this guy tweeted, yo, my job started saying they were, they were ending remote working and people started quitting. The revolution is here. Like there's actually a subreddit called anti-work. What? There are people who are like, I don't want to work. So the crazy thing is when you talk to a lot of these leftists about this stuff, they say things like, yeah, but who would want to work at McDonald's, you know? Like is that a question of status or is that a question of money? Because, you know, I think a lot of McDonald's actually pay 15 bucks an hour. The problem is unemployment's paying more than that. And so McDonald's will have to increase. This, this is why UBI makes no sense. Here's what here's what, what, what this ultimately ends up. What's happening now with this unemployment policy is just eroding the base of the economy, which will ultimately fall apart. UBI doesn't work. You know why? You ever watch the Hunger Games? Mm-hmm. You guys you seen the Hunger Games? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the capital in the Hunger Games, they were gluttons who would drink Ipecac to barf to eat more food. Didn't like they they they, uh, they did something like that in Rome, didn't they? Like Probably. vomitoriums yeah, or something. Like the, after feasting, That's, the feathers go, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. they go barf it, and then eat more. It's not where the word com- vomiting is not where vomitorium comes from, but I, that might be true. Uh, something said. like that. The point is, in the Hunger Games, they have the districts who have to work. And, you know, the main character is in the coal mining district. And the people in the capital don't do work. This is what these people truly want. The leftists who are advocating for this stuff want to live in the Hunger Games, but they want to be the capital. Another example is how they want student loan forgiveness. Now, I actually am for some form of forgiveness, maybe forgiving interest rates, saying pay back the principal of what you owe now, but we're not going to keep raising the interest rates because that's insane. Make it easy to pay off, but not free. How insane is it that the left right now is advocating for the working class people to pay off the debts of the highest income earners in the country? Yeah. College people with college degrees have higher salaries than than people who don't, and they want the working class people to pay off their debts. That is the capital city in the Hunger Games. Now they're saying these they have these memes where it's like, if you can't afford to pay someone more than they could make on unemployment, then you are exploiting poverty, bro. They're paying people sixteen dollars an hour to be on unemployment. Like how much? Like how long is that going on? 
So it's been going on for a year, and, and, and Biden's saying he's going to extend it. Okay, so the like plan right year. now is with the new two trillion dollar relief package is to keep it going. Obama did that two thousand eight yeah. nine something like that. But well, that was that was that was a, 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 I think that was a, a, uh, an extension on standard unemployment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it, it was an extension to ninety nine weeks back then. Um, but the the thing is, like you you see Biden talking about just the other day when he gave that speech to the distanced masked Congress, mm-hmm. uh, and he's talking about uh, taxing corporations. And how they don't pay their fair share and they have all these tax loopholes and all this. And even forget the fact that Joe Biden's been a senator for 85 years and he's written all of these, you know, tax loopholes into the law or at least signed them into the law. The, the, the truth is that he just signed one of the biggest, if not the biggest, corporate welfare bills in history. And to sign that into history and be giving all of these money to giant corporations and then turn around and say, ah, you know, we really got to get some of this money back is just so disingenuous. I mean, like, like the, stop giving them money. Stop taxing. And, and this is the same thing you're saying with bailing out student loan debts. Stop taxing working people and paying the well-to-do with the money that you got. If we can't get that basic thing right, what are we talking this about is, here? This is why Democrats want 16-year-olds to vote. Because 16-year-olds are going to be sitting there and being like, yeah. dude, it's like so dumb that they're homeless people. Like, we have houses. Just put the homeless person in the house. Like, are you dumb? And that's what they'll be voting for. Right now, you have these 20-something democratic socialist types who are like, the Biden administration needs to be printing money and increasing unemployment. This is absurd. People are losing their jobs. And it's like, have you ever had a job? Well, no, but that's not the point. And then it's like, okay, so what you're saying is the government should borrow tons of money print tons of money, devaluing the savings of the working class while all the businesses are shut down so that people are forced to buy from Amazon. So basically, they're devaluing the money you have and then giving what they've, they've extracted from you to Amazon and Walmart and these other companies. That's great. That's a great leftist policy. But hey, don't get me wrong. These are the people that are coming out right now cheering for Facebook and laughing about it. That is until they get censored and they come begging for help saying, please, where are the free speech warriors? I got censored. So how many states are open? Um, I, I think for the most part, like the blue ones are like somewhat opening. So now it's basically like sort of a battle of the states in a sense. Oh, uh, dude, we're, we are, uh, we're, we're being torn to shreds. You look at, I think I mentioned this a while ago. Joe Biden said, you know, we're going to have another lockdown if we need it. And I'm like, Florida's already open for business. So who's Joe Biden talking to? Only the blue states. Yeah. When he comes out and says, you know, do X, do Y, lock things down. And Texas is like doing the exact opposite. You know, he is not speaking to a single person in Texas. Yeah, I, I've never seen anything like this in my life uh, in our country. And, and there's been, you know, there, there's always examples of where like the media has their propaganda and real people don't really believe it. But there's something about watching, you know, um, the, you know, Fauci and the CDC guidelines. And you'll see on CNN and they're like, hey, we've just decided you can take your mask off outside and you're literally like looking out your window at kids just playing with their masks off and it really feels like something out of the soviet union like the the propaganda has come down from pravda and you're looking and you're like we've been doing this forever but, but what but, are you talking about and i know there are some people who haven't i know no, there no, no, are what some, i mean like, is the, lo- like local ordinances have already ended on outdoor masks but that's like, my point Mar- i mean who like, even of liberal people who kind of believe in the whole, like, we're supposed to wear masks thing, 
Who has been following all of the rules no, since? No, 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 are on. people still living like it's March of 2020? Wait, You're wait, not wait, wait, hugging wait. a family member. What, what I'm saying is they actually lifted the mandates in Maryland, for yes. instance, and then Fauci's coming out later, and I'm like, they already lifted the mandates. Yes, what yes. are you talking about? Well, that's it, and it's almost like they're going like, now we've given you our official national orders that you can do the thing that you've been doing for ten months. But, so but, go ahead and do the, and it's very bizarre. And, and, to, and you see this, right? Like, uh, in Florida, in Texas, people, which both states people are flooding into. Yeah. People have been living relatively normal lives. And, and to pretend that we're just now getting to the point where outdoors you can take your mask off is really, there's such a disconnect. I don't, I don't think reality. South Dakota ever even had that. Yeah. Outdoor mask mandates. I'm not, I don't think so. Uh, Texas and Florida completely opened up. But I bring up Maryland specifically because it's like they got a Republican governor, but it's a blue, blue state. Right. They lifted their outdoor mask mandates a little while ago. And now I see like Fauci coming out. I'm like, who is he talking to? But, California so, and New York. He's yeah. not talking to the rest of the country. So isn't this the 10th Amendment in practice? Like, OK, from the example of Maryland, I've never seen people outside with masks, period, except the occasional moronic runner who decides to wear his mask while he's running. But isn't this the 10th Amendment where states are just deciding to do their own thing? Because this was never delegated to the federal government. Well, you know, this is I mean, it's a real sick perversion of the 10th Amendment, if it is that, mm. because truthfully, none of the states have the right to do what they've done. I mean, they don't have the Tenth Amendment. Basically, says that anything that is not expressly delegated to the federal government is left to the states right. or the people. So that if something isn't, uh, you know, delegated to to a federal power, the states can do it. But there is no uh, legality to the states violating constitutionally protected rights in the Bill of Rights. So, like, there the uh, uh. Cuomo. And, you know, Newsom and all Whitmer. of these governors. Yeah, they, they did not have the right to shut down a religious ceremony right. to tell you that you can't peacefully assemble. Okay. I mean, they what we've dealt with over the last year has been a true rise of many uh, dictators amongst governors who have taken power to themselves that should be crushed by the federal or local governments or anyone willing to do it. And to me, this was the great failure of Donald Trump Absolutely. in 2020, that he did not do anything to, to – listen, I mean, if there's – if if some uh, – one diner in Alabama somewhere put a whites-only sign outside their door and the state government didn't want to do anything about it, the feds would come in there and say, no, you cannot do that. You don't have the right to do that. And okay, fine. But the Cuomo and, and, you know, Newsom can just shut down their entire states and nobody's going to come in and tell them, like, sorry, and this is a free country. We have constitutionally protected rights. The, the fact that that didn't happen from anyone is, is uh, unconscionable. And when there were lawsuits against the state for doing it, Cuomo went, OK, I'll make another executive order and then sue me for that one. Yeah. And they just kept doing it. That's right. You know, so you mentioned Donald Trump and – he didn't, he, he didn't handle this. And, you know, uh, let me slow down a second. A lot of people talk about the response to COVID, specifically having to deal with the spread. And they say Trump didn't do a good enough job. And I say, well, let's be honest. There's no control group by which to measure whether he did or didn't do a good job. You can argue that there's some, some things in your opinion may have been better. Honestly, I don't know all that much. So I think Operation Warp Speed must have been a good thing. A lot of people are really excited, cheering on Joe Biden for the vaccines that Donald Trump helped make happen. But Donald Trump did not use the power of the federal government to protect people's constitutional rights for a year. And you know what? What did we see? 
as riots up across the country. Did Donald Trump do anything about it? No. And people were like, huh. well, hindsight is twenty twenty. You know, now that we know that he lost, people are saying at the time, yeah, but they'll call him a fascist, say, here it comes. And then, you know, he's trying to win in November. It's like, well, he lost anyway. So he didn't stop any of the extremists. They went around burning things down and, and, and smashing stuff. And then we're all left holding the bag with the Biden presidency, who also is doing nothing. And it's only getting worse. Yeah. Which uh, I have a story on this, which brings me to my next story. <laughs> this one's crazy, man. Did you see this video? Portland driver confronted by armed group in broad daylight. Shocking video shows. You guys see this one? No, no. Portland. There was a group of armed leftists patrolling streets and blocking roads. These aren't protesters holding hands and pulling up banners. Literally, this is a guy with like a, with like full blackout gear and body armor with an AR-15 and, a, and I think one other guy. And they're blocking cars, smashing windows and pepper spraying people. One guy gets up on, you know, he's like, he opens his door and he's standing up on, on, on his truck with the door open with his hand on his hip and he draws his gun. He's holding it low ready. And the guys, the Antifa guys immediately pull their guns, are pointing their guns at him, yelling him, stop. They're blocking the road. All right. At some point he gets out of his car and he actually draws on one of these guys. They tackle him, take his weapon. Nothing. No, no, the cops are like, what was the that, purpose? The purpose is that far left, the, the, the far left extremists are getting more militant and but were they protecting anything or just arbitrarily taking control? Taking okay, it's patrol. It's not a protest. Patrol. It's a, it is when you march around with guns, shutting things down, shutting down streets, smashing windows, and attacking people. I mean, maybe I shouldn't. Even, we shouldn't even call that a patrol. We should call it what, like an insurgency. Huh. Attacking civilians in their cars. No, no joke. And there's another video right now. We can't show this. It's out of, I think it's out of Chicago. I'm not sure. Was that Chicago? That video that I sent you? Which one? Oh, I'm not sure. There's a, uh, it, no might, context, it might be New York. It might be Chicago. There's uh, a bunch of protesters in the streets like they've been doing with impunity and a car just slams the gas. Oh. When the car starts pulling up, we're seeing this more and more and more. The far left will go around it and start banging on it. Yeah. And it's like these people are nuts. But because there's never been any real legal ramification, they're not going to sit there and keep doing it. Well, this person in the car said, screw it, slam the gas. And it's like, it's a shocking video. Normally when you see these videos where they're like, a car plows through protesters, it's like an SUV going like a mile an hour and they're mm -hmm. screaming and yelling and then it just slowly drives away. Now nah, this one was somebody hit the gas and people went boom, boom, boom. That's what's going to happen. Because you see what happens in Portland with this, with this video. I don't, I don't think they have any Fox News show. So they show a little bit. I can't show too much, but we've got a tweet. You can see here's the guys wearing, I, I, it looks like it might be body armor. It might be actually a tactical vest, with like a camelback or something. I don't know for sure. And they're holding, they're holding uh, some AR-15s pointing at a regular, regular old guy. You know, I thought I was going to predict this, but I said it was going to be far right, hmm. locking down streets and telling people to F off and get out of their towns. That was probably stupid because we know the far left has been increasing, has been increasingly violent and the escalation has come from them, not conservatives or, you know, rural folk. But so here we are. This I, I got to say, I'm almost shocked. Um that the right wing response hasn't been more ferocious and quicker, to be honest. And I'm thankful for that because mm. I don't think it's going to do any good except just escalate the kind of civil war, which I think any sane person would want to de-escalate. But um, it, it's unbelievable, like the level to which this has this has gotten. And I think there's a lot of, you know, like I'm I'm I wonder what the heck our society has done to allow some of these young people who are out there blocking cars uh, antagonizing people Smashing windows. all this but but i'm not just blaming the people doing that i mean obviously they're wrong for doing that 
But it's like, how have we, and this maybe as I'm getting older uh, and, and that I have kids now, I'm feeling this way where I'm like, how have we as a society failed these kids so much yeah. that this is where we're at? And I think there's a, a lot to be said there. And then also, I can't believe that there's so much restraint on the other side that there aren't more people just plowing them down. Well, the like social pressure, people. the social pressure on social media, you know, they're going through their feeds and they like these campaigns that are going on. I mean, I'm not on Instagram, but like I, you know, there's all this pressure it's to on, do certain yeah. posts Endless and propaganda. like it's insane yeah but everybody I'm, I'm, everybody make your your post a, 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 a blank screen onto your instagram to show you're in line with and the if you don't <clears throat> but look i'm just saying like you could you can like hate antifa and just talk about how awful they are and i agree i'm not saying you're wrong to do that i mean these are like punk kids who are being destructive and just barbaric and it's awful but you know if you zoom out a little bit you're like, wow, we really did like create a society where there are these kids where there, there's like no, like there, there's no religion in our society. There's no values no that discipline. replaced that. No discipline. They're growing up in single mother households. They're medicated from the time they're young. They're pushed into these universities that don't prepare them for any type of jobs and just saddle them with all of this debt. They're just, it, it's just, there's nothing you can never buy. Uh, you know, you come out of, uh, imagine being one of these young kids who comes out of a university. You've been fed this far left wing propaganda. Uh, you're now a hundred grand in debt. Um, what prospects do you ever have to like get married, have kids, and take care of a family? You could never afford a house. You're going to go work at Starbucks and try to pay your hundred. They grand feel like this off. is their value system. No, 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 no. It, well, is, it, it is their value system. No, dude, that's dude, why dude. it's a cult. The problem is much of what you what you said, but also consider that these are people growing up in the wealthiest conditions in in human history. Well, I, I'm not denying that, right? So, so you're so, right. But, but look, in the 1700s, even if you were wealthy, you still understood some hardship. The, the the old saying is that you a poor person today has better dental care than Rockefeller did the turn yeah. of the 1900s because technology improved things. So if you were a rich person in the 1700s, you still needed to understand some basic things. And so the gap between you and the poor, while what may have been dramatic for the time, is insanely different from today. So you're you're absolutely right. They're wealthier than kings <clears throat> were at a certain point in time, right? But there's so what, when, I'm, so what I'm talking about is something separate from wealth. What I'm talking about is, look, my grandfather was far poorer than any of us are today and, and suffered through more hardships than any of us could imagine. I mean, he was a Jew who escaped Nazi Germany and then fought in World War II. I mean, just a very hard life and worked in a factory. It's all he ever did for his life. But with that job, he could he got married. His wife, my grandmother, didn't work. He took care of two kids, owned a house, owned two cars, played poker on the weekends like you could you could take care of a, a wife and kids and have an identity and a life. I, I Whereas think today, even though they're much richer than that, what are, what is your chances of owning a home, getting married, paying for the cost of education, uh -uh. health care? I'm saying there's no it's identity a, this, there this, is my point. You're, 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 you're right on the surface, but you got to compare the life of a family in the 40s and 50s to the life of a family today. We have television. We have internet. We've got some of the greatest technology ever created, and we have to pay for those things that requires labor. As the population expands, we get more specialists and more access to better technology. We still have to pay for it all. Yeah. So sure, you know, my dad, he was able to, you know, he, he actually worked two jobs when I was younger, and his dad before him worked a single job, you know, the greatest generation. But what did they have in their home? Many of them didn't have TVs. And so the kids would do chores, would, would go on, you know, uh, on uh, 
paper newspaper routes and Good. they would be doing some kind of work. So what's happening is we're saying today, you know, these kids can't even own a house. Yes, you can. It's called in the middle of West Virginia and it's a $30,000 house. You just don't want to live in it. So yeah. sure. There were suburban living when people didn't have the same access to utilities, when people didn't have access to the same medication. People today say, oh, it's, we, we, we need universal health care because people can't go to the doctor. Dude, the medical care you can get on debt is a hundred times better than the medical care they were getting a hundred years ago or a couple hundred years ago when they were injecting people with mercury or whatever for, 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 for syphilis. Nothing is stopping a person from taking their family and going and building a cabin in the middle of the woods Except, I guess, for the fear eventually that the federal government will wander off into the middle of Wyoming and, well, and be I, mad at you about it. So, so I, I don't completely disagree with you. I think that the fact that we've b- become richer than ever before is a good thing. And I think the fact that we have luxury goods and consumer goods for cheaper than ever before, I think it's great. I mean, it's risen the standard of living. I guess it's just the fact that we've also, in this process, created uh, through our elected politicians this system where we've subsidized the cost of housing subsidized the cost of education subsidized the cost of health care to the point that they've all been tremendously inflated and we've also just lost a sense of community and values which i think also yes. goes hand in hand with the the government taking more and more of a uh, of a participatory role in society and i think this is just it, again, I'm not disagreeing with you. It's just a cocktail that's worked out to be what we see now. We need uh, – people need to, to have a, a, a return to like normalcy and understanding yes. of the world. What that means is imagine life if you were just one day woke up in the middle of the woods bug naked. Congratulations. That's life. Everything we've built – I'm sorry. I shouldn't even say we. Everything every, – every shoulder that is being stood upon by the giants – is done for right. us. We right. woke up. I, I, I was in New York one day and I was riding my bike over the Williamsburg Bridge and I was like, wow, I never did anything to deserve this bridge to ride up and over this river. And I had to, I just imagine, I'm like, what it must have been like a couple hundred years ago when people were like waiting for the ferry they had to pay for it to do it. And then some people said, I am going to plant this tree whose shade I know I will never sit beneath because in 50 years the children will be able to and their lives will be better. Today, People are now demanding and entitled of all of these things that were gifted to us that we never paid for. And so what happens is they say, I should be able to have a, a massive house, five bedrooms. I should be able to only have to work, you know, a certain amount of time throughout the week so that I can have every luxury that this life can afford me. And it's like, nah, you're spoiled. I'm sorry, but it's well, true. Can if, I say, if you had to go crash land on an island somewhere and then build a house out of coconuts or whatever, that's life. Yeah. We are living a gifted life from you know the people what, who came before us. Yeah, you're so right. And you know what's interesting about that is that like kind of what you're getting at is that this idea of like the, the philosophical idea of UBI, right? Like we kind of already have that. I mean, like just mm-hmm. in in just a pure free market with no government giving you a UBI, you kind of already have this where just for the because we were born here in a first world country in 2021 and we're living, we, and we do stand on the shoulders of all of these people. I mean, we, none of us really earned 
all of this technology that we get to speak through. I mean, you may have bought the microphones and stuff, but we didn't invent all of it. And we we have all these things, like you were saying, with the bridge and the trees that other people have you know uh, well, made the, before us. The, the bridge but, is a better example than the microphones because that's something you can just use without paying for. Well, sure, but I'm just saying that even if you pay for this, someone else invented it, and we all right. benefit from the fact that other minds put in all of this labor to make all of this happen. And, and just the fact that we have this level of wealth around us. I mean, we could be the exact same people born in some third world country or on some desert island and we don't get any of that so that is our ubi but to your other point about that which i think is the real it's almost like the the contradiction of the human experience is that even though there's this kind of selfish impulse to go well no we don't care about passing it on to the next generation and you go like well look all of this was passed on to you so don't you have some obligation to pass it on to the next generation but i'll tell you this after having kids, it really, uh, you know, opened my eyes up to this, that there's, it's actually a much more rewarding existence. You will be a much happier person when you are focused on passing something on to the mm. next generation. That's like the beauty of life, that when you're living for others and thinking about what's been given to you and what you can give on to the next generation, that's when you don't want to go block a car in the street and throw a Molotov cocktail through the window because you've got something kind of bigger to live for. They don't have kids. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. And, and, yeah. and so, so you can be a person of empathy and community without having kids. If sure. You, if you, if you, if you, uh, you know, so we as a society. But it helps. It absolutely yeah, it throws does. it in your face. Yeah. But so you have people who don't have family, don't have community. They, they create these nebulous online communities of disparate beliefs that make mm-hmm. no sense. And then they're angry that they're not getting what they think they deserve. They're not working. They don't want to work. They want to make the government pay for it, extract the wealth out of the system to give to them, and they will get violent. This is, it is, uh, what's the right way to describe it? It is um, blasphemy. No, 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 no. It's it's a it's a chaotic, destructive force like fire, it's jealousy that is burning at the foundation. It's a rot at the foundation of our society of people who think they're entitled to things but won't work for things. What's happening? And it's corrupting the foundations. And if we don't do something about it, which you uh, they think like they're helping by not having kids. Mm. That's what their argument is because they think you know we're overpopulated. I don't so think we that's true. A lot. There's a lot of people I, who I think, think, but that. that's a rationalization. No, I, think I think. Yeah, no, right. it's yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So what I think is actually happening is they're extremely selfish. They want everyone to give to them. They don't understand what it means to give back, and so. As you mentioned, it's a rationalization. Oh, well, oh, I'm doing this because, you know, uh, bad for the planet. Okay. You know, I think a lot of it is wealth disparity because we are super wealthy, all of us, but the disparity is greater than it's ever been. And if you've ever been poor in a room with a bunch of rich people and like you're having a great day, everyone's having a great time, you're all equals, then all of a sudden you're like, I got to go do some crap job I hate. And they're all like, I don't because I my dad was rich and I, I don't ever have to do anything. And the anger that you feel well, I, 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 I don't of follow. jealousy, it's almost irrational anger. Have you felt that? Yeah. I've never felt that. Yeah, I felt like, why do I have to be the one that has to go work a low-paying job because my parents weren't rich when I, my friends don't have to work? See, that's probably the answer. And they all drive around in cars. Exactly. And, and, and exactly, because I didn't have that. So I grew up, uh, uh, someone mentioned earlier, take a shot of Tim Mens- mentioned Southside of Chicago. Now's your chance. You just did. Uh, and so... A lot, lot, of, lot of crackheads, a lot of heroin addicts, a lot of poor people. And then I started, you know, playing music, which, you know, I went around to different uh, venues, met different people in different areas, eventually met a bunch of rich kids. And I never cared. I don't, I don't care. I don't care about what that person is doing. It's, it's a waste of my time to sit there and be like, why do they have money? I was like, yeah, their parents are rich, whatever. I'm going to focus on doing my thing. But you know what? 
Maybe I'm lucky enough to have to be grounded in reality, to understand something really simple. Anybody listening, here's what you do. If you're in a big city, even today, stand in a street corner and say cheeseburger and look people and ask you cheeseburger, cheeseburger. Eventually someone will come back and back. I got you cheeseburger, buddy. I'm not kidding. It will work. I, I, I'm dead serious. <laughs> you can go to any major city because people tend to be good and want to help. Yeah. And you can say to any random person, you want me to buy a cheeseburger? But, but hold on. You're right. Go, yeah. go, go to sub-Saharan Africa. Go to the Middle East. Go to Egypt and see what happens if you sit there and beg for this stuff. People are going to be like, is that, is that a joke? Yeah. Some, so, a lot of so countries I think, will help you I out, think for sure. I think the essence of the point you're making, which is, is absolutely right, is that our, our crisis is not a, a true crisis of real poverty. That's not the issue. Exactly. Here. Like even our poor people, our rich people, our homeless compare, people, are fat, bro. compare to other societies that have existed. So that's not the problem. And again, I, I, maybe this is just like the way I look at things since being a father. But when I look at somebody who's out on the streets, like one of these Antifa members, who's this little punk kid who's dressed in all black. Some of them are who in the will, 40s, bro. Well, okay, fine. But, but he's still a punk kid all in right. his 40s. <laughs> Who will, you know, like, you know, the way they fight where it's not even like someone like like there's no honor in even being like, like, why don't we take this outside and fight? It's like they'll go talk shit and then someone stands up to them and they run away and then they look at the other guy and then they sucker punch him behind yep. them and then they all pound on him when he's down. I go, I look at that and go, who raised you? Nobody. Like who and, and what 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 it was your who were your parents who were responsible for the, instilling something into you? The Federal and, Reserve. Well, well, that's part of it, but it's, there were real human beings who made this human being. And I'm just saying that we lost, it's not an issue of poverty. It's something different than that. It's, it's, uh, it's like the soul of the culture. Like we lost this thing that you, honor. that yes, honor and some type of social pressure it's to so raise ripples. your damn children. Like, so I was, it, I was, I was, I was thinking about this you know, the other day. Scruples are gone. People, yeah. people used to genuinely feel remorse yeah. if they, if they, you know, stole or, or, or lied to somebody. It's, it's, it's great. Maybe I'm romanticizing the past, but community used to be like, I can't do that. Why? Well, because you can't do it. You know, it's just like deep within your soul, you feel something you can't do. Scruples. Now it's like people are like, oh, I'll lie to whoever to get whatever I want. This, the, the moral foundation is being shattered. Did it's, you it's see? Uh, I saw someone was sharing this clip, like an old Alex Jones clip on Twitter today, where he's, you know, it's like a classic Alex Jones clip where he's screaming like a maniac. But if you listen to what he's saying, he's actually making a pretty good point. Which what was like ninety percent of Alex yeah. Jones. Um, <laughs> you're like, man, if you were just not yelling at me, I'd agree. But or he's saying like, the frogs. Like he was it's, a cartoon, it's like it was everyone. old. It was like it must have been like fifteen years old. But he's talking about how he's like the kids are worshiping Justin Bieber. Yes, I and they're worshiping. That. You know, and, Imagine, goes, yeah, and he goes, what about Magellan? Yeah. Magellan <laughs> sailed around the world, and it's like that it, is amazing. He's, he's screaming at you, but you're kind of like, like, I mean, he's making a good. He point. was wait, wait, my favorite. He's like, there were two hundred men on that ship, and only eleven made it. Ah! Like, <laughs> like, down. <laughs> like, dude, if you weren't pulling your hair out of your head, like I'd say you're making a very All logical right. point. Wait, wait, but that's there's part of this, right? Like there, there was no 
tradition and honor and like upbringing for for children and i'm just saying that i think a lot of times today at least i get this a lot that if you if you address any of these issues people say they they go oh you're like some social conservative right winger or something like this and and then the implication is almost one step away from like well you must hate gay people or hate trans people or hate black people or something like that but we're not allowed to ever just go and i feel this a lot more these days but you just go like, you know, you go on Instagram and see all the like, you know, every girl's like in a thong and everything. And you're like, these values suck. This sucks as a Let culture me, to raise a daughter I'll, in. Like it's not – this is not good. Before and, we move too far, I have to, I have to make one point uh, on your Alex Jones thing. You remember when he was talking about turn the frogs gay? Mm-hmm. That's like probably the most famous Alex Jones meme. He's yelling and he's like, they're turning the freaking frogs gay. And he like, you know, pounds. Imagine if instead of that you had Alex but no one had ever seen him before, right? It's the first time he's ever appeared. He's wearing a, you know, like a, a, a tweed sweater or something or whatever. He's got like leather patches and he's got a corn cob pipe and he's wearing glasses. And he goes, now, an interesting study came out about atrazine. It's a pesticide. And he's talking to other, you know, <laughs> glasses individuals. And he goes, the, the interesting thing about this atrazine is that it's, it's disrupting the endocrine systems of, of amphibians, notably frogs, in, in many of these regions. Now, on the coasts, you can see that it's draining off into the oceans, having less of an impact on groundwater. But in the Middle East, it's a very serious problem. Dare I say, jokingly, <laughs> they're turning the frogs gay. Now, now no, but in all seriousness, <laughs> is it, n- n- there would never be a meme. Well, it was right. Alex Jones yelling and, and slamming. They're turning the frogs. So that's game. the that's the Trump phenomenon, right? Yeah. Like when everyone uh, everyone would be like, "Man, if he just didn't, if he wasn't so brash and he didn't do all this, then maybe he could have gotten this done." And you're like, "No, he'd never be there." Mm-hmm. Right. That's the whole thing, right? It's, yeah. It's the, that's the contradiction. Is he'd never be there if he hadn't. The reason Trump was president is because he was the guy who was willing to look at Jeb Bush and go, "Your brother lied us into yeah. war," and basically wink, wink nod nod you can't pleasure your wife was basically the measure but that was basically what i mean what do you think low energy was really saying when he kept telling he kept going jeb bush you're low energy what was it like what was the real implication of that yeah but he wasn't wrong and then no he clap he clearly wasn't that's why he won because he was clearly dead right and then even he could look at hillary clinton and go yeah nasty woman and all these things and that's part of why he won but it was also his downfall, you know, and that, so that's, mm. that's the thing with Alex Jones, right? But there is something, there's a really important principle there. And from my perspective, and maybe this is my own libertarian bias, but I really do think that the government, the rise of the welfare state, the rise of big government, uh, g- big government in America, that they undermined the, all the bonds that used to hold people together, right? So instead of the welfare state, you would have communities, you would have churches, you would have neighborhoods, all of these bonds. And that as the state got more and more powerful, they destroyed all of these bonds intentionally in the same way that the communists hate religion because they hate anything that's that's a, a unifying force more powerful than the state. And so, so to me, this is what destroyed our culture. I've been, I've been talking about abolishing the police now for the past, you know, I guess, a couple of months, but – uh, and Michael Malice has been cheering for it on Twitter, there but it's go. it's not for the same reason, <clears throat> for the most part. You know, so so Michael said when we had Alex Jones on the show, he said that it's his constitutional right to keep and bear arms to defend himself, mm-hmm. and every single cop in New York City would arrest him if he tried to uphold his own rights, and that's why he said every single cop was was bad. And Alex was like, "No, you can't say that. That's wrong." And well, I, only Michael Malice can make Alex Jones the moderate. Right, right, right. And that's, but so, so I'm actually, I actually do think we need police. The problem is we, they shouldn't be following, uh, 
in unconstitutional orders, enforcing illegal laws or taking illegal action. But now the main reason, because I've had people message me saying, Tim, you're wrong about abolishing the police. Well, hold on. Have you been paying attention to what's going on? What story did we just cover just in the, in the previous, in the last segment? Portland Antifa in blackout gear, which they've been doing the whole time, now with rifles, stopping vehicles, smashing out their windows, attacking pedestrians and regular folk. And when a guy tries to get through and draws on them, because they drew on him already, they knock him down to take his gun. Where are the cops? The cops can't stop Antifa. In Portland, the, more, the majority of people who are arrested, even on felony charges, even people who confessed to attacking cops had their charges dropped. But guess what? The FBI is hunting down each and every single conservative. In New York City, when the Proud Boys fought, fought Antifa, those Proud Boys are now in prison. The system is broken. It's corrupted. We are watching all of this happen every day. And the cops may be neutral arbiters, but it's a sorting algorithm where they are, they are funneling people on left and right into a justice system that is only punishing the right and moderates and those who are standing up for small right. businesses. I, I, I assure you, if you live in the, in the Portland area, and these, these groups with guns come out. If you even try to defend yourself, you will get locked yeah. up. We've already seen it happen. One guy who drew on these Black Lives Matter protesters, he got charged. I think he got, he got a felony or something. He had a felony charge. And he was legally bearing his arm, which is allowed to do. And there was a, a group, a, a raucous group, which is known to have been violent in protest. And he drew on them. You could argue the whole thing all day and night, but a felony charge. So here's what's going to happen conservatives have consistently defended the cops. And I understand why, because cops do a tough job. But then we started seeing cops shut down small businesses, arrest small business owners, and then conservatives started saying, nah, I'm done with this and throwing the thin blue line flag in the dirt and stomping on it. Now it's starting to come back to defending cops again. And I'm like, do you realize you're the target? In New York City, it's like, what, 20% conservative? It's like very, yeah. very few conservatives. When Antifa goes around smashing up windows, these people aren't going to go to jail. When you go and in any way defend yourself or defy these restrictions, they will lock you up in two seconds. It was the funniest thing when that salon owner in, in Texas, I think it was, she got arrested for opening her salon mm-hmm. while they were letting the criminals out of the jail. They were saying, we can't have criminals in jail because of COVID, <laughs> but she can. And they, they uh, were saying it was uh, dangerous for COVID to open your salon, but we will take you and put you in jail where there's this massive COVID outbreak and Absolutely. letting people out. But, uh, and that should, that, you, that, that's inhumane to put someone into a oh, pandemic yeah. situation. Uh, absolutely. Cruel and unusual. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's inhumane to put a human being in a cage for the crime of opening their business, period, but particularly in a pandemic. While letting the have criminals you, out. Uh, have you heard the term anarcho-tyranny? before because that's no. what this is describing so the idea of anarcho tyranny is the idea that you have the worst of both worlds huh. right right you have the worst of anarchism <laughs> yeah. and the worst of tyranny so there are incredibly rigid rules that you will be just destroyed for violating i mean if you get something wrong on your tax form you will go you know to jail for this if you do what you know there's all of these different laws that you can be busted for for any different number of felonies that you don't even know about like we all commit like five felonies a day with Without even knowing it, right? But then at the same sense, there's the worst sense of anarchy for people. So you get your car stolen and a cop comes up to you and goes, well, that sure does suck. I can fill out a form and then we'll see you later. But if you defend yourself with, you know, a weapon, then you're going to go to jail. And that's what we're seeing more and more, right? We're seeing the fact that and this has been going on in San Francisco and Los Angeles and all these places where if someone comes in and steals from your store, we're not really going to prosecute them. But if you pull a gun on them while they're stealing oh, yeah. from their store, you might go to jail for a decade. So this yep. is the this is the world that we're living in more and more now. And I think that conservatives are 
starting to realize that they are the enemy group. So they, for you to be group? for you to be defending the enforcers of the state, which let's get real, that's what cops are. For you to be defending them when you're the enemy group is uh, to borrow a word that some on the right like to use the ultimate in cuckoldry. Hmm. We're at a point now where we're we're we've been watching this for a year. The salon owner. They they open the jails and release the criminals mm-hmm. and then put the small business owner in the jail. I mean, that's that's tyranny. So I made that point. If this continues, conservatives will be less less able to vote because they're, gonna be, they're being charged with felonies. Not even conservatives like moderates who defend themselves are going to get felony charges. Can't vote. Sorry. In many states. I mean, the left might actually give them their right to vote back in a, in a long enough period of time. It will just detriment the right. And it will scare everyone into being, clearly we don't want to be with whatever that is. I'll just do what the left says. But hold on. What if at this point we said, all right, how about this? No cops. Then what happens? Well, you can keep in bare arms now. You can defend yourself. And you can defend yourself. Oh, this would be cleaned up in a second. Believe me, all these riots, you don't need Trump to send in the federal goons or anything like that. If you just said all it takes, and there were a couple like local sheriffs who did this during the riots and basically cleaned up their whole town. Yeah, if you just said, hey, guess what? We believe in the Second Amendment here. And if you go and and, and if there was actually the the state behind you on this and you said, if you go and violate someone's uh, private property and they have a gun, we are not prosecuting them for defending themselves. This thing would be cleaned up. But by the way, can I just make one more point to what you were saying before? What were the few exceptions for the people who were actually prosecuted? Uh, during all they of these riots, the government. the government buildings that were yep. that were attacked, right? So, what is the clear message from the government there? How disgusting is this? Stay away from our property. You go ahead and you vandalize any of the private property you want to. You go terrorize a shoe store owner. Go terrorize a bodega. No problem. But you stay away from the state house and you'll be just fine. Conservatives got to get on board with abolishing the police, and not every single instance. Small towns are probably fine. But uh, uh, the best example is in Milwaukee when Black Lives Matter, I think it was Milwaukee, they showed up to a guy's house, right? Mm -hmm. They were protesting in front of his house. One of the guys who organized this had previously been to another mob gathering that set fire to someone's home. So all these people are outside screaming. This guy pulls up his shotgun and points it out the window. The window is closed, but he points it, you know, visibly at the window. When the police show up, Black Lives Matter is clapping and cheering and celebrating as the cops go into this man's home and arrest him. Well, for what? Now, maybe he shouldn't have pointed the gun directly at them. But like I said, these one, the guy who organized this had previously organized another rally where they set fire to a woman's home. They said they twice yeah. cops came out, put it out. They set fire to it again. So this guy's like, I'm going to show them I'm armed. And you can make an argument whether he should or shouldn't have done that. I believe people have a right to keep and bear arms. And if you're on your property and people are encroaching on your property and threatening you, it was a, he didn't even fire a shot. It was a warning. But here's the point. The cops gleefully arrested him. The worst point, Black Lives Matter celebrated. You know what that means? You think p- people have been saying they want the, they want to abolish the police so they can federalize it. They want to abolish the police to get their woke enforcers in. They don't really want to abolish the police. They want to exert pressure until the police start doing whatever they want out of fear of losing their jobs. Yeah, well, why do you think they did such a 180 on abolish the police? I mean, as soon as the implications of that started coming out, they were like, well, abolish the police doesn't really mean abolish but, the, but or that, defund but that, the police that's doesn't the really mean it. No, what yeah. I mean is... The left comes out and says, abolish the police. And the cop goes, I don't want to lose my job. Well, then you better arrest the conservative. You got it. Anything you right. say, please. Right. I'm so I'm begging you, please. 
Well, look, I mean, if you're somebody who's – if you are a right-winger or a conservative, just th- think through the implications of actually defunding the police and what that would mean. Well, it's like like you said. Well, there's nobody's going to arrest you for uh, any type of gun violation, so gun rights are now absolute. Uh, they're not going to be able to enforce these, like, uh, stupid regulations on your business. Who's going to be the tax collectors? Who's going to do all of this? It actually leads to a much smaller government world, which would be a much better situation. And, and take and, personal responsibility. And, and also, I will say this, too. It also uh, takes away what are some of the legitimate criticisms of people on the left, which I'm not saying is like the violent rioters. But there are some people on the left who make a legitimate point that there are cops who go around and harass people in the, these high-crime neighborhoods. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't legitimate criminals in those neighborhoods who deserve to be harassed, but there's also, a, let's get real, there's a lot of kids who walk around who just look like the suspect that they're trying to go after in these neighborhoods who get harassed, and let them also let them also not be harassed anymore. Also, but, you know, the, the whole war on guns... Like the whole, all the whole gun control regime. I mean, the real victims of it, 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 not saying it's the exclusive victims, but the, the most likely victims of it are people who live in these high crime neighborhoods who are minorities for the most part, who are, uh, who have guns usually to protect themselves. And they get charged. And they get charged. We got guys, we, we have, uh, Tons of people in this country, disproportionately black and brown people, who are sitting in cages for decades for the crime of owning a gun. Not doing anything to anyone with that gun, just having a gun. The prohibition on guns has been just as disastrous as the prohibition on drugs, and we should end all of them. I think the party of personal responsibility should start taking more of it. Because, you know, look, I get it. Maybe there's this vision of like an old timey era when Officer Friendly was there to protect your community. Now we're at a point where the justice system is basically corrupted. Extremely wealthy leftists started funding district attorneys races, putting in far left DAs, people like Kim Fox, after Jussie Smollett's whole ridiculous, you know, MAGA country garbage. Kim Fox lets him go. This, this, This guy. It was so obvious. This is what happens. The justice system is completely corrupt. But I got to stress, man, the Proud Boys in New York City, four years in prison. Yeah. If the Proud Boys want to get in a fight with Antifa because Antifa has been threatening and harassing them, then maybe you don't want police to be there to arrest you and put you in prison afterwards when you decide that you are going to confront the problem in the way you think is, is, is appropriate. Now, look. I don't think fighting is appropriate. I don't think anybody should be fighting Antifa or the Proud Boys. But if Antifa wants to show up to someone's event and instigate fights, okay, then there's a thing called mutual combat. Okay, maybe that's what we need. The problem is in New York, you can't have guns, you can't protect yourself. If you if you even consider it, they will lock you up. The problem is that the way I described it recently is imagine you're at a blackjack table at a casino and it's it's a right wing guy and the left wing guy. The left wing guy is counting cards and you're sitting there going like, he keeps winning. He's winning like, it's, it's, look how much money he's got. I keep losing because the house always wins. The, the dealer isn't playing favorites. It's just that they're gaming the system and the house is gaming you. That's where we're currently at with conservatives defending cops. It's good. They're going to keep going after small businesses. Antifa is going to walk around the street with rifles. Now, hold on. They're allowed to do that. You can walk around with a gun. Constitutional right. Keep in bare arms. But they smash out windows, they attack pedestrians, and then draw down on some dude who's driving his truck through the area. Guess when? No uh, charges. Guess when police first started in America? It was the uh, 
late 1600s, early 1700s. Yeah, 1636. So it was like night watch groups that would report to like a constable. Well, it was initially we had local militias. Some states, I think there were like two states, set up slave patrols. From that, the left has tried arguing that the origin of all police was slave patrols. The idea of centralized law enforcement was actually imported from some European countries. I think it was like Amsterdam or something. And so eventually people started saying, maybe instead of having these ever escalating conflicts between neighbors and the militia, we just create neutral arbiters who will come down, make the arrest, and the courts can deal with it. We're at a point now where that, that I think that's a great idea. However, in these blue states... People don't care about your rights and believe they have a right to vote away your rights. So they'll say, like, I don't care what the Second Amendment says. I think we can just decree your right doesn't exist. The Constitution was supposed to stop that. Apparently it doesn't. Now you have conservatives who live in these places who are surrounded by cops who would gladly enforce illegal actions like Bill de Blasio's ridiculous painting or arrest you for exercising your God-given rights. The state doesn't give them to you. The government doesn't. God did. That's in the Constitution. Well, the, the thing that's so infuriating to me is that we've watched, um, just, let's just say, just in the 21st century, not going back, you know, the whole history of policing, but just in the 21st century, I mean, the we have the most militarized police force in the world. I mean, there's well, what does really— that mean, well, I, I'm just saying there's really nothing like there's really no country out there that has as many SWAT units, has as much military gear in their police officers. When I say this, I mean, the but Depart- is that because we're a big country? I don't think that's a fair statement. No, I mean, I think even per capita, even any, our Department of Education has a SWAT team. The EPA <laughs> has a SWAT team. I mean, what? we have no like way. we have a police force. Look it up. I promise you. We have a police force that's just unlike anything else. The NYPD, I think, is in the top 20 biggest armies in the world. Like it's not just that we're a big country. I mean, there's a lot more to it than that. And a lot of it He's was right. built up. The yeah. Department of Education has a SWAT team. Oh yeah. No, the Department of Education. <laughs> all right, you got me that's, there. The, that's yeah. a weird one. So I'm saying like and we have all of this and if it was ever justified, you'd be like, well, when there's mass riots, <laughs> this militarized police <laughs> will make sure to stop it. And then when there are the mass riots, they do nothing. And then I, I mean, what is I think we have 50,000 SWAT raids on average a year or something like that. I mean, it's something crazy. And you'll have SWAT raids over, like, alleged drug possession. Sometimes they get the wrong house and just shoot your dog or whatever. They've shot kids before. It's like uh, SWAT raid. You know, if you were to think about it in theory and we were just talking about it, like, when is it appropriate to have a SWAT raid? You'd probably be like, I I don't know, like a hostage situation when someone's about to kill someone else, maybe not. It's like, I think he's got a no, no plant in his drawer. And they so we have this. This is what I mean by the anarcho tyranny. We have the worst of go the police after the, tr- state. the former president's lawyer, <laughs> right? Right. Exactly. Or Roger Stone or something like that. So we have the worst of a police state without any of even the benefits of it. Like they'll protect your property if there's a riot. So I mean, you know, the- do, do you remember the story? There was some guy. I can't remember exactly what it was. So maybe I'm getting a little bit wrong. Fact check me on this one. He put grow lamps in a house. He like rented a house. He put mm-hmm. grow lamps in it with like ficus or some stupid house plant and then he put set up cameras and just waited and then a SWAT team raided the house <laughs> and he was like what are you doing in my like what's going on they jump out with cameras they're filming mm. all the cops and they're like what are you doing and they apparently tried using grow lamps as justification that they were doing a drug raid because wow. they because they mean, were detecting honest, the energy consumption yeah they could yeah, see yeah. the energy consumption and yeah. so they made an assumption about what's going on in the house and I bet you none of those cops went to jail 
No, but the guy like put it on the internet, and he was yeah, like, "Yeah, sure," and embarrassed them. But, but you know, if we had any type of like just society going here, wouldn't you be like, "Well, okay"? I mean, you just committed a crime, right? You broke into somebody's house. Like, like any any of us would go to jail if we did that, but they don't. So, and and the other thing that I gotta say is that you know I understand, and, and I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Like, and and there is like a lot of these left wing, uh, um, you know, cities and states do have these problems. But I gotta say, I find something, not maybe kind of funny in a dark way, but certainly ironic, that now Joe Biden is turning the war on terror inward, and the target is right wingers, and even Liz Cheney is like championing this. Mm. And I, I guess I'm just old enough to remember that it was the right wingers who supported George W. Bush who championed this whole war on terror but, but, beginning. But these are not the same and people. Mocked, no, Bill well, Crystal it's a lot of them. them. He, he switched no, sides. No, no, no. I'm not just talking he's about... He's a Democrat now. I'm, yeah, I'm he's not, an arms dealer. The, Republi- the Republican Party is not on board with that. Liz Cheney is being not, booted out. I'm not talking about just the Republican Party or the ones who went over to the Democratic Party. I'm saying that right-wingers in America voted for Dick Cheney and George W. Bush, and they mocked... I'm not saying all of them, but a large no, enough no, no. percentage hold on, hold of them on, hold on. Bro, mocked 20 people. years ago. So you're right, t- so and you're now, the, about, now the chickens have come home to roost. You're, no, you're, no, you're talking about 38-year-olds who didn't vote for that, who are now finding themselves conservatives or yes. Republican, being they like... Are, that's right. They are paying for the sins of the right-wingers who came before Absolutely. them. Absolutely. Who, 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 you know, but to, really be fair, ruined we're, the... Qu- we, we talk yes, about stand- a twenty-five-year-old right-winger. No, no, no. Has we're no we're talking about standing on the shoulders of giants and reaping yeah. his benefits. I don't care if it's Democrat, Republican. We're paying for the penalties of their failures going back as well. So much of the problems with this country, and don't get me wrong, I think you can go back to Woodrow Wilson and pretty much blame everything on him. But <laughs> all of it. I mean, yes, and I believe that. It's all Woodrow Wilson's fault. He was it's really all bad. Woodrow Wilson's fault. Everything. The Federal Reserve if there's, Act. Yes. He created the Federal Reserve, the income tax, got us into World War One. basically created the FBI as we know it. It's all his fault. But if you want to focus on the 21st century, the first eight years of it were under George W. Bush and Dick Cheney, and they blew the entire beginning of this century. Oh, yeah. And they really and, – and we are really suffering under those ramifications now. And so there's it, – it is just like now it's taken on this new kind of woke flavor – Many times it's the same corporate interests, the same military industrial complex interests behind it. It's just the new justification is wokeism. Like now we have to stay in Afghanistan for feminism or something. You know, it's not it's not because we have to hunt down bin Laden anymore, but it's the same policy and the same companies profiting and like kind of all the same thing. But I'm just saying look, that look, I remember when the right wing had the culture and th- they kind of did set us on the, this course. The establishment lost control with Trump. The Democrats were able to ward to to to, to keep Bernie Sanders out mm-hmm. to co-opt him and you know make him just shuffle the, the the leftists into the Democratic coalition. But on the right, Trump was a raging bull, and they couldn't control him. They lost control. So these establishment conservative well, Republican I don't want to call them conservatives and neocons become Democrats effectively. They start supporting everything the Democrats do. Now you have people like Kinzinger and Liz Cheney who want the war on terror to focus on. The deviant right wing Americans. Yes, that's they, right. They, they, this, what they want is 
the neoconservative right to be the right in this country and the neolib to be the left in this country. Bernie Sanders was weak and they easily shut him down. And, but Donald you Trump also wasn't say, and they couldn't. Listen, so turning the war on terror against him. You're, and his followers. you're, you're right. And I think you're really on to something there. And as you could see, if you remember when Bernie Sanders looked like he might beat Joe Biden, if you remember before Super Tuesday when they all circled the wagons and got him out, what did you hear from the corporate press? They are like the brown shirts. They're yep. basically Nazis. Now it, imagine the if they had, violent. if they had actually won and gotten their candidate in there, you would see a lot of this energy turned on them. What the right wingers are being punished for right now is that they committed blasphemy. You were told to vote for Jeb Bush. Hmm. We told you we were giving you another Is that what Bush, they really wanted? And you decided, <laughs> you decided to go for this Trump guy who we told you was unacceptable. And so now you have to be smacked as Nazis. And the same, they were starting to do the same thing, but the Democrats kind of fell in line and also Bernie Sanders fell in line. So their leader basically fell in line. They were saying and, the Bernie bros are violent. Yes. It's dangerous. Bernie, Sexist. Remember when Bernie came out and was like, stop doing these things. Like he had, yeah. to, he had to tell his followers to stop being violent. Which was all bullshit. Which all, <laughs> <laughs> so this guy. So you, think we, so you think we would have avoided a lot of this extreme polarization if it had been Obama, Jeb Bush, and then like a nice back no, and forth. No, my, my point is that we have this extreme polarization because of Bush and Obama and all of them. But now the establishment is freaking out because they – They've lost control of this thing. Mm. I think that Trump, you know, the, the standard line is that like Trump destroyed the Republican Party. But I think that's nonsense. I think that George W. Bush destroyed the Republican Party and, and Trump was the aftermath. And of now that. they love his paintings. Well, that's right. They do, but they, cause they always loved him. They never had a problem with him. Look, they, they turned, hated him. Everyone hated no, him. They turned on him when it was convenient. They sold his wars. They, the yep. New York Times they was did. not being woke leftist. Judith Miller and all of these hacks mm. were selling every one of his lies, which were ridiculous. Okay, the idea that Saddam Hussein and Iran and North Korea were all doing 9-11 together or whatever it was. They sold these wars, got us into them. Then when they saw the disastrous ramifications of the wars, they went, yeah, 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 he's real bad. This is no good. Then they pushed behind Obama. But this was all and what did people- Obama do? expanded every last one of them. And what did Joe Biden do once he was put in charge of Iraq? Hmm. Little old brother got control of the, the construction contracts, yeah. <laughs> made uh. millions of dollars. Just you no know, coincidence, mind you. And then, you know, for just totally unrelated reasons, his son got on the board of a Ukrainian energy firm during, you know, the height of this conflict and, with, and, with natural gas and Gazprom. It's just totally coincidental. And, and Obama not only continued the Bush foreign policy, he expanded it to a level that Bush and Cheney probably couldn't have gotten away with. I mean, Obama inherited the war in Iraq and Afghanistan and continued them for every single day of his uh, presidency. But not only that, he expanded the war into Libya, Syria, Yemen, Somalia. I mean, he just took the wars all over the place. The war on whistleblowers. The, well, well, yes. More and then whistleblowers prosecuted, prosecuted, prosecuted than all other presidents combined. Yeah, it might as Under well. The espionage, it yeah. might as well have been another eight years of, of George W. Bush. It was worse. Maybe, yeah, maybe even worse. I mean, because debatably. The, and, and the press was behind him all the way. I mean, the activists hated George W. Bush. But like you mentioned, the New York Times sold it. Hmm. But I think that there was something that they noticed with Obama. Um, and I think this is where the corporate woke takeover really started is that Obama um, one of the most effective things from the establishment point of view and one of the most awful things from any sane person's point of view that Obama did was Obama really destroyed the anti-war left 
And there was a really strong anti-war left under George W. Bush that yeah, is the, easy the to forget about now. Were wild. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're talking yep. hundreds of thousands of people in the streets, like on the level of like the women's march or something mm-hmm. like that. It was like like th- that was the type of energy, and it wasn't just focused at some stupid thing. It was really focused at like we were lied into war, repeal the Patriot Act, you know, things that really matter. Uh, the Patriot Act ultimately was part of what brought Donald Trump, you know, to his knees in his presidency, uh, again, ironically. Um, but so they were focused on that. But what happened when Obama came in? It all went away. And, and I really think that a big part of this was that the, the liberal and left, I'm talking like the whole left half of the country, you know, like liberals and left all, you know, so much of their identity was about not being racist. And, and in the best sense of that term, you know, like not, you know, not like this woke craziness of today, but the fact that we go, look, man, black people were treated horribly from the beginning of this country and we're against racism and Jim Crow and racism, you know, all this stuff. And when you had the first black president who was also this charismatic guy who they wanted to love to be against him was just very hard for a lot of liberals and left-wing people to do. So it just kind of silenced them. Hey, Bill, yeah. remember when we put on that event called Ending Violence, Racism, and Authoritarianism, headlined by Daryl Davis? <laughs> One of the most famous oh, men de radicalized yeah. the remember plan, that. Yeah. And Antifa threatened to burn the theater down if we had those conversations. Well, yeah, there you go. You can't allow that. But, th- but what happened, right, was that after that and then into the Occupy movement, and what I think what my theory on it more or less is that a lot of very powerful interests started noticing that there was this kind of woke impulse. And, of course, all the theory was in the background. There was critical race theory and all this stuff in the background. And they started noticing that this could really tear apart the unity on the left. And then on the heels of Occupy Wall Street, when, as you've noticed, it started tearing it apart on its own organically. Like the woke stuff started taking over and people were like, oh, you're not even focusing on the 99% anymore. Now you're focusing on like what divides us. And then all of a sudden you see, I mean, have you looked at any of those Nexus charts? New York Times, mentions of racism. Washington Post, mentions of racism. I mean, mentions of, you know, toxic masculinity, patriarchy. They flooded the game with all of this. And all of the sudden, over the last 10 years, you have this culture where every single giant corporation, every politician, every major media outlet, every movie in Hollywood, everything has been flooded with an obsession over race and gender and all of this stuff. And and to me, I think it's a vi- – look, at you see the CIA commercial the other day? Yeah, I, know, I mean, is, is this not – are torturers are, are going to be <laughs> talking about how inclusive they are? No, you know, we, come on. Wait, 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 you got to see the game do, here. Do, but let me just say, wait. the game is to distract from the issues that really matter, which is power – violence, authoritarianism, and to get everybody pitted against each other in this culture war. And they have, we have to tip our hat to them because they have done an incredibly successful job. They've done a good job at it. Can, Can we get like a Ryan Long style skit where it's like Guantanamo Bay inmates in jumpsuits being like, you know, for the longest time, the torturers that were coming. Oh man, that's a really good idea. Oh, they were coming. white guys. They it's, were white guys. And, and I love you know, Ryan, by the way. He's uh, great. And, and then it can, it's playing the good music. And then you have a guy be like, "We feel like we're finally a part of history. We're so excited." And then, like, you know, a, a black woman comes in and she's carrying like the rag and the bucket, and like 
putting the Dude. gloves on and the guy's like bending over and he's like, it just feels good. <laughs> history. It's just better now. It's just, it's just so much better. But uh, that's, but that's what it is, right? Torturers. I mean, but it's, it's, if you think about it, it's a great deal. I mean, if you're like, you know, JP Morgan Chase or Bank of America and they're, you, you know, basically your deal is think about it, right? You have like, uh, like, 50,000 angry kids outside chanting, we are the 99% to these bankers. And the deal you've been able to make the left ultimately is, how about we send all of our white execs to diversity training? And they're, I mean, Yay! they may not say this, but they're basically like, deal. Think we of, and we will go focus on all this other stuff. But and they didn't have to do anything else. Think about that phrase. Think about, we are the 99%. They were literally saying, 99% of this country, which is all the white people, all the black people, all the Asian yes. people. Now they're literally saying, yeah, but not the majority. Like yes. it is split the country. And up. by the, and they didn't even mean 99%. It's even more than that. Cause what they really meant 99. was 99.9%. Yep. What they really meant was the people who own banks and, and hedge funds versus uh, all the rest of us. I mean, like, I, no, no, hold on. At, at the time they were talking about Mark Zuckerberg. They, this is the funniest thing. I'll tell you. My, my, one of my favorite days, most memorable at Occupy Wall Street was they were being censored and suppressed. And they were like, you know, the media won't cover this. So we have to print our own physical newspapers. We have to use these, these other social networks. We have to use live streaming to get our message out. And they use Twitter and they use Facebook. But it was funny because they were complaining about the top 1%. And they literally put up a shrine to Steve Jobs when he died. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm like, what it, what it, what it, it was not a good person. There but, was, but the point is that, but this was the thing about Occupy Wall Street, right? They, they didn't have all of the answers. And there were these like hypocrisies and silly things like that. But in essence, they were right. Like the banks had just gotten bailed out. And, and it was during the worst, you know, re- uh, recession since the Great Depression. You're going to bail out these guys. And then they kept their bonuses. I mean, it was so blatantly corrupt. And for them to call that out was right. And they and were now- focused at at least one of the power sources, like the big banks. They were really focused at some, something that actually mattered. And at the same time, or at least around the same time, you had the Tea Party movement. That was going on where these these right wingers were coming out in the streets and the right wingers were saying, you know, the government is way too big. It spends way too much money. It's too corrupt. We're taxed too much. We borrow too much. The debt's out of control. There's a problem. And the left wingers are over here saying, you know, bailing out the banks is immoral. They're getting all of these profits and none of the. And it was almost like I, I've said this before on my podcast. It was almost like they were holding two sides of the same pendant necklace. And it was only a matter of time for the left and right to come together and be like, you know, these ideas don't contradict each other at all. Then, they actually go right in line with each other. However, and now it got all broken up. Occupy very quickly went woke. It was only a matter yes. of like a week or two when the facilitators, they call themselves, come in and started saying, oh, white people aren't allowed to speak. And it drove, you know, you know, that there were libertarians and conservatives there. Oh, at yeah, yeah. Wall Street. I know. I remember one of the in, in the first week, there was like a 60 year old couple with an American flag sitting there complaining about all the same things. You know, the, the bank got bailed out, were being corrupted, and everyone was in agreement. I mean, I, I met Luke down at Occupy It was Occupy the mm-hmm. Fed. There was Occupy the Fed right. was going yep. along. That was alongside Occupy and the Wall Street. Those were all the libertarians who supported the Because this was ideas. the Ron Paul days. Yeah. So the libertarians were trying to come in there and try to, like, they were, teach. No, 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 hold on. They, they were, were trying to teach them a little bit, dude, like, hey, no, no, if you no, hate the on, banks, on, there's on. this one yeah, bank yeah, yeah, yeah. that <laughs> runs all the banks. They weren't trying to do anything. They were there. I was there in the first week. They were there. Luke Rydkowski was there. Ron Paul guy. 
I met him there. We talked about these things. Great conversation between libertarians, conservatives, and liberals. And then very quickly, the ultra woke came in, took over the meetings, and said white people weren't allowed to talk anymore. And I remember this one white dude I knew who was an mm. anarchist started crying and left. And so these people started leaving, and it was stripping away the core of the movement. Now, many of these Occupy people who followed me or friended me at the time are championing the FBI's raid on Giuliani and Facebook and Twitter, massive multinational corporations, suppressing dissent. They've never had principles. They were going along with the tide, and they were manipulated. Now, let's go to Super Chats. See what the audience has to say. Yes. So if you haven't already, smash that like button and go to TimCast.com to become a member and get access to exclusive segments from the TimCast IRL show. If you go to TimCast.com, you'll see in the top right corner, we actually have a Stripe option now. Stripe is amazing. I hear uh, they're, 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 I, I, I really like Stripe. Um, it's, it, I know a lot of people didn't like PayPal, so, so there you go. But uh, anyway, smash that like button, subscribe, share the show if you really like it. Let's, uh, let's read some of these super chats. Michael Brogan says, Friday nights, baby. Always the best guests. Cheers, Dave. Cheers, TimCast IRL team. We are having a crew come out, hopefully next week, to help us clean out the garage skate park. So if you've seen the vlog, we've got, uh, or if you've seen my Instagram posts, we have this big skate park slash venue. We call it the Grind Bar. And we, we have some work that has to be done with clearing out this like really awful, gross insulation because we still have a lot of work to do. And uh, after that, we're going to start we're trying to get as fast as, as go as fast as we can. Friday night live events where we wouldn't just be having this show. At, we'd actually s- swap over and have music and comedy. And members are actually going to be able to buy tickets to come out. And we'll do this hopefully every single week. We got to get things cleaned up. Then once we do, we can get the computers installed, the cameras installed. And then we got to do a major upgrade on this studio. So it takes time, unfortunately. But that's the plan, man. All right. Christian Jim uh, Gochian says... When I was 17 and a dumb high schooler, I wanted to be a cop. Seven years later, I'm glad I didn't do it. Also, here's $27 for the $2,700 you donated to the cat's surgery. Good guy Tim over here keeping his promises. Y'all rock. Yeah, so yesterday, someone super chatted their cat needed surgery. And I said, by the end of the show, this will be done. And a lot of people did donate. Still, a large amount was left over, so I I donated. I actually wanted to start a nonprofit a while ago. We talked about it, where we... um, basically pay for animal surgeries because i know a lot of people who have had like a cat or a dog it's like two grand yeah to like save the animal's life and they're like i just don't have that money so like what are you gonna do let your pet die i'm like maybe we can set something up i don't know yeah all right let's see where we're at c hennessy says tim you should get lewis rossman from youtube on he's an nyc business owner who can't who can't plead guilty or ask for court date for a fine that was given on bs unclear law could pay more in fines if he uh, if he can't get in contact. Right to repair. Yeah, I saw this. Apparently, the website didn't work, so he couldn't actually do anything. Then they call him, like, you're in trouble. And he's like, I can't even go on the website. The website doesn't work. Like, what am I supposed to do? And there's no in-person because of COVID. So it's just like New York's imploding. Logan Brown says, how are you enjoying rural living? You know, I guess it it is rural. I suppose it could be more rural, but it's the best. Sub-rural. I walk outside into my deck, and I just, like, fire a, uh, an arrow from my compound bow and just like, hit a target. And I can just, like, do that every morning whenever I want. It's fantastic. It Nothing. smells so good outside. Yeah, you wait. You, you, you go outside. Fresh air. We have you – know, here's the crazy thing. Y'all city folk drinking that nasty fluoride water, aren't you? Not us. Mm-hmm. We, got, we got our own water source. Yes, fresh well water. And, it's, and we got a really great system. Uh, we have, like, one of the highest quality 
you know, home systems. It's got the UV light and everything. None of that gross fluoride water with, you know, uh, copper and rusted pipes. Yeah, rusted pipes. (laughs) Carter Felder says, have you read Spiral Dynamics by Don Beck and Christopher Cohen? I haven't. Have any of you? No. That sounds fascinating, though. The spiral, man. EVBB Jones says, this super chat was paid for by unemployment benefits. (laughs) I could go back to work, but the entire state government is telling me not to. They're literally paying me not to give them what they paid for. What if we supplanted unemployment with UBI so that you could still work? You just still got the money, but then you just you don't lose it if you go to work. It doesn't doesn't, doesn't work. Yeah, but unemployment doesn't work either. It would just be a less thoughtful system. I just feel like if you're if you're asking, Mm. look, like I was saying before, the government is just giving you taxpayer money. If you want to ask for help from the people who do work and are paying taxes, how about this radical idea? Ask for the help. And if they want to give you the help, they can. And if, if people in your community go, oh, there's this guy who's trying to work, but he's out of work, we can pull some money together and help him. But why do you get to, through government, force somebody who has to produce something and has to go to work to just give you money for well, that's, doing that's, nothing? That's that's a, a cooperation versus competition argument. But to, to Ian's point about why can't you supplement UBI, let's say somebody is a, a base – they make screws. You know, you need screws so that you can build wood objects. And the person who, the company that makes screws pays 15 bucks an hour. So they start saying, everybody, we're looking to hire people. We pay 15 bucks an hour and you'll probably end up making, you know, two grand per month. The guy goes, you get a thousand bucks a month doing nothing. So why should I do work and only get a little bit more? And they say, well, we're supplementing your income. So you'll get an extra, you'll have 3000 per month. And they're like, but I can live off of a thousand and do nothing. And I can so just then, do stuff in my free time and make money right. under the table. <laughs> yes. And then the business says, okay, well then how much do we have to pay you to make you want to work here on top of a thousand you already get? And they're like, I don't know. Okay. We can, can we give you 3000 a month? They go, all right, then I'll have four grand. All right. I'll take the job. What's happening is now the company has to raise the cost of all of the screws. Then the contractor comes in and says, we got to build a house. Yeah. Man, screws just went up, you know, 33%. Why? Because in order to incentivize people who don't need to work, you got to pay them a lot more than you would have to pay someone who doesn't but have any money. Because of competition, you, instead of having to offer him for three grand, instead you just find someone else that want to do it for two. Why would they, why would some, well, it's like you said earlier, when the government, it pays someone $16 an hour, any business that is offering you a job is saying, I'll give you $1 an hour for full-time work. Yeah, that's busted. So, so well, if someone's already getting a thousand bucks, you're saying I'll give you an additional seven dollars an hour to work full time, and most people are going to be like, "I'd rather just like sit on the beach." Well, I, have, I, I, I don't have to do anything. One other like logistical problem that I see with the idea of UBI is that quite often proponents of it take for granted the idea that we've uh, abolished all other forms of handouts. Which anytime as a libertarian, anytime I say let's abolish the welfare state, it's like, oh well that's so impractical. But for some reason when you're proposing UBI, you just get to take it as a given that we've abolished all these other forms of welfare. So if we have already done the work of abolishing all these other forms of welfare, then we've really changed the mentality in this country that people would be willing to accept that. Because what happens when somebody okay, so you get a thousand dollars a month or something like that, we've abolished all other forms of welfare a uh, single mom not working with three kids, she blew her $1,000. Now she's destitute. Well, what I what about is, that? Aren't we right back at the exact same place where yep, we were before we going, what are we going to do to take care of if her? If a mom like, was making 1800 a month uh, for whatever reason, and then you were going to supplant the 1000 she'd only get 800 left. She wouldn't lose it all. 
but you could only she would only yeah, supplant it, up to the basic. So, but income. then if that's the case, then we have all of the same incentive problems that we had with the welfare state to begin with. Except you that could she's reduce, not getting anything. You could reduce the initial. So, like the first thousand, you don't have like you'd get rid of unemployment. Um, you and then does it? Do you know what I'm saying? No. Okay. It so, doesn't work. Yeah. Well, this none of it works. That's the point. You is it's busted. No. So let's try yes. and plug you, a hole here. You can't. Calm down. It, you can't. It's like being like, why can't I just eat ice cream for the rest of Look, my life? We're gonna now, pay, I understand there's a problem with sugar and fats, but let's find out how to eat ice cream. You can't do if it. If you're going to pay you someone protein, a thousand bucks a month, then why why punish them for getting a job on top of that? It doesn't make any sense to me. Oh, okay. I, I understand the point there, and there certainly is an incentive problem with telling someone that they lose their money if they start getting a job. But to the flip side of that, now you're giving taxpayer money to people who don't need it. Now you're giving taxpayer money to people who, you know, may not even be asking for it. I mean, I, I don't know. If we're going to talk about repealing the welfare state, let's just do what obviously makes sense, which is repeal it. May, why are we giving these blood-soaked monsters in Washington, D.C. control of our tax dollars to try to do the right thing with? Look, over this last year, in America's greatest moment in need— like like when we really were on our knees as a country, what did they do? They robbed the American people and bailed out all of the biggest corporations in the country. The banks got extended trillions in easy loans. Every big corporation that was politically connected got hundreds of billions of dollars. We got like, what, a crummy $1,200 going out. Why are we trusting this mechanism, which is we all know, all of us know, rotten to the core, filled with corrupt people. If we either people are good enough to take care of those who are in need or they're not. And if they're not, they're certainly not good enough to vote in blood-soaked monsters who are then going to take care of the people. There's, there, there's one possibility, too, right? <clears throat> and it's that if the government gave everybody a thousand bucks a month from taxpayers, you know, everyone, you know, pays taxes. They likely would not be able to do that because I think it would exceed the GDP or it would just be a tremendous strain. So they'd probably print or borrow. But let's say everyone's still desperate to, for work because a thousand dollars a month doesn't cut it. Now you're going to see businesses being like, we only pay five bucks an hour. Take it or leave it. You're already getting a thousand from the government. You don't need anything from us. Sorry, that's it. You could reduce minimum wage, yeah. Well, or what would happen is hyperinflation from UBI would result in stagnant minimum wage. The left would then demand the minimum wage go up, and it would just be constant command economy. It just it just doesn't work. It makes little sense. It makes no sense. The, I, I say when I, when I say little, I get it. You know, a child says, "Why don't we just like give people money so they can have food?" Because like we have so much food. It's like, bro, because the economy doesn't work that way. The, what, what the dollar represents right now is a few things. Arguably, it represents the energy required for, for, for labor. So it could represent like petroleum, the petrodollar. Um, but in terms of labor in the United States, we have a very service sector-based economy. The dollar, the energy behind it is what people are willing, how much labor people are willing to exchange for labor. How much does a petroleum engineer... How much time do they want to work in order to have someone serve them a cheeseburger at a restaurant? They probably don't value that, that a whole lot. In fact, we can get kiosks to do it. So the issue is when we talk about just raising minimum wages or giving people money, you will just increase the cost of the lowest level of labor that people don't respect as it is. Doctors are like, why should? So there's this meme that goes around where it's a guy like, I'm, a, I'm an electrical engineer. And when I hear that fast food workers want to make the same amount as me, I say, congratulations, we all deserve a living wage. 
And it's the stupidest argument because an electrical engineer who's probably not making all that much, you know, relative, you know, to, to other jobs doesn't want to have to work for five hours to be able to buy a, a, a chicken dinner. These people are saying, I work hard. I've, I've established myself in my career. I should be able to provide for my family and by working harder, gain more to give my family a better life. That means after 10 years of training and being, a, being an apprentice, and I'm a journeyman, now I'm a master, I'm making more money. And somebody is, is, is going to spend the same amount of time in a fast food restaurant to earn the same thing they do. Now, the argument for the left is, but everyone deserves a living wage. The problem then is people will say, why work hard to become a specialist or master if we're only going to get access to the same things? Again, the left argument is that people will be fulfilled by taking these jobs. That's true for some people, but not true for everybody. And I always ask my lefty friends this. How many people do you know want to be famous musicians? And they're like, oh, a ton. How many of them are good enough to actually do it? <laughs> None of them. And how many of them, if you gave them money, would quit their jobs and just play garbage music outside trying to be a rock star? Probably all of them. Yeah. So people have and, to- and then on the flip side of that, right, like, you know, um, there are these jobs like being a, a garbage man usually pays like fairly decently because, you know, no one really wants to do that. But you have the only way to entice people into it is to I say, know. like, well, look, you can make 80 K a year. And or in something 10 like years, this, garbage yeah. trucks will be AI. And the <laughs> primary, per, you know, argument of the smartest people who propose UBI is AI. Right. That, that's what they're saying. That's why billionaires that's, that's the support. Hunger games. Well, okay, that's the Hunger the, Games. Because but, then you have you have the richest people. Argument. Then you have the richest people getting free resources from those who are still forced. That's to how it's work. been it anyway. Working work. hard doesn't make you rich in this world. No, and AI working, produces working smart jobs. Makes you rich but working hard yes. shouldn't make you rich. I mean, I could go outside and lift a boulder over my head and drop it for twelve hours in a row, and I'm working really, really hard. I shouldn't get rich from that because I'm not providing any uh, value uh, well, to hold anyone on, hold else. On, hold on. If it's attached to a gravity generator. Well, okay. Then now, now we're talking. But <laughs> I would just scales. say in, right. in the, the argument, and I think this is actually the most flawed argument for UBI, which is one of the arguments that I'm you not, just brought up. I'm not no, saying, I know you're not yeah, making yeah, it. You're yeah, just, yeah. you're just saying that this is one of the arguments, which is basically that, well, technological developments are going to take away all of the jobs that exist now. And so we have to replace them with something. The major, major flaw in that argument is that if you looked at what technological advancements have already taken away in terms of jobs, they're almost all gone. I mean, if you look at the jobs from 1890, there's, I mean, what uh, what percentage of, of society was in agricultural work compared to now? It's probably 80% to 3% or well, something to, like to, that. To, to, be but fair, no one, to, to, to be fair, you know, the, the city used to have poop departments to clean up horse poop. Well, that's San right. Francisco is bringing them back. <laughs> <laughs> Always but that's exactly... But, 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 but the point is that you, if you're going to say that if, if somebody in the year 1890 was like, oh my God, these automobiles are coming in and this is going to put out the horse and buggy driver out of work, you know, if you were to sit down and explain to them like, and they said, well, what jobs are people going to do? And you were like, well, how about graphic design? And how about audio engineer? This would be impossible to explain mm-hmm. to somebody, you know, uh, and, 130 and, years ago. But the point is that in the future, we won't know what the jobs are going to be, that this technology will create the lots problem, of new jobs. The problem is you can't take a petroleum engineer who is, you know, 50, who still needs to work and be like, you know, go, go, be a, go learn a code. They're going to be like, I can't learn to do that. Are you nuts? So that means my specialty, which becomes obsolete. So this is a hole in the system that no, but there still are uh, peripheral jobs related to yeah, AI that don't panels. that don't require knowledge of well, how to code. Well, I look, mean, it's a, it's it, a it, hole in the system in a sense. I mean, it's like this is part of like it's creative destruction, right? So if you 
owned a Kodak store when digital cameras came out. Like, I'm not denying that that really sucked for you. I mean, there's like there are people who like, you know, was like, oh, I make typewriters and that sucks that computers came out. But it also it, it doesn't destroy the economy. Just, just, just like it's, there were lots more jobs created. I want, you, by it. I want you to imagine something. Everyone listening right now. The year is, you know, ni- 1999 or maybe. No, no, it's 2004. I don't know what year. And there is a, a young man. He's 23 and he's wearing a blue polo shirt and he's got a tear, a single tear coming from his left eye as the is regional, he wearing a beanie. Is this the story regional, of you? as the regional manager for Blockbuster enters his store puts his hand on his shoulder and says, son, it's over. <laughs> and he's been working there for years. It's his passion. Everyone in the neighborhood knew him. He was smiling, Jim. They'd come in and be like, what's the movie is today, Jim? And he'd be like, oh, let me show you the new releases with a smile on his face for years, this young man. And then one day they came in and said, the dream has come to an end. And then all that's left now is this old decaying building with this weird ticket logo, and it's just a rotting decay. And Jim shows up now. And he's now in his 40s, and he looks there, and he stands across the street with a beer gut. His hair is thinning and gone. You know, his kids are walking past him, and they're like, come on, Dad. And he goes, just a second. And he looks across the street at the old blockbuster. And so, he raises his left hand, and then he just remembers. If that guy could have pushed a button and stopped Netflix, he may have, which terrifies me because that – Indicates an incentive to okay. stop or slow innovation. I think okay. the job that's economy. Why, okay. That's why you don't want workers to have control over things like this. This uh, is uh, what uh, you just mentioned is the great flaw in democratic socialism. Is that let if me, you have like workers having control over innovation, yeah, they're going to vote against okay, it. Okay, okay. So, so let's go back. Okay, so he's raising his left hand, looking across at the blockbuster, and then he scowls. He's angry. I'm go. We're going home, kids. And then he 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 works tirelessly in his basement welding and his kids are like dad what are you doing not now and his wife is like it's been weeks he's not showering what's happening and then finally in his basement he goes i've done it and he hits a giant red button and opens up a time vortex and he goes back in time and he finds the founder of netflix and he's shaking and holding the gun and he's like you took everything from me and the netflix guy goes i don't even know you and that's the story of how the alternate timeline where Blockbuster never, never went out of business. I would watch that movie if it was <laughs> sold at Blockbuster, but only there. So, but, but just the, the point, the goal isn't just jobs. You know what I mean? Like the goal is prosperity. The goal is more productivity and a higher productive capacity. I mean, if we were, I think this is old like Frederick Bastiat example. I forget exactly how it goes, but if the, that the sun is putting the candle makers out of it like you know the candle makers could sell a lot more if we didn't have this sun the whole time but if you could just imagine right let's say oxygen which is something we all need to live but we don't think about and it's not scarce so we just have it imagine we all had to work five hours a day for oxygen like whether some type of physical work had to be done so that there was enough for us to breathe well we would have way more jobs but we would also be way poorer because we'd be working for something that we already have for free now so the 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 Goal is to produce more and more with less and less. Yeah, the job let me, let me read the super is a Federal chat Reserve concept. Right. Yes, we got yeah. we got a super chat from Rad Number Two. He says, "I work a union gig and we are desperate for help, starting at a hundred k per year with benefits, and people would rather sit on their butts and get free money." Also, Dave Smith for president. Hey, there you go. Thinking about it, I'm into it. Yeah. Oh yeah, aren't you running or something? Is it? 
I said I'm I'm thinking about running on the Libertarian Party. Yeah, because they, they, they need a real. Oh yeah. Well, listen, I'm. You know, you you brought it up. I think last time I was here, and I know you brought it up before. And you're right to that meme of Libertarian ideas versus Libertarian <laughs> candidates. But the truth is, there's no reason for it to be like that. And there right. have been great Libertarian candidates before. Ron Paul was that guy. Harry Brown <laughs> was that guy. And um, you know, there's just a lot of the candidates don't really know how to talk about. Liberty, right? And right. Um, if no one else will do it, good. Then I'll do it. All right. So John Mob says, Tim, you can't quit and be approved for unemployment. There's an investigation process that does take place, and you need to be fired or laid off to get approved. So don't quit, people. You will be denied. That is false, John. You are incorrect. You need a reason. So uh, you can work at a job and quit and still get unemployment so long as you quit for a valid reason, namely uh, you are being harassed, your boss, you know. Uh, did something inappropriate. You can say, I felt threatened at work and I didn't know how to deal with it because I felt I felt like there was going to be retaliation. And they might deny you. They might be like, that's not a good enough reason. But you can quit. You just need a real reason. And that's the thing. A lot of people do. They'll, they'll, they'll file a complaint at work and be like, this person's making me feel unsafe. Then a week later, they'll come back and say, I still feel unsafe. There's no way to resolve someone saying something like, I feel unsafe and this person's doing it. And then when the business can't do anything about your fake problem, you quit. And you say, yeah, I quit because they were threatening me and they couldn't do anything about it. And they'll be like, okay. Also, if you are fired for cause, you also might not be able to get unemployment. So like if you do something inappropriate and it's documented and try and then get fired and then say, I want unemployment, they might be like, yeah, well, like you were streaking through the, the, the halls of the business. You don't get unemployment. It's, it's just about whether it's your fault or not. So you can quit. Dakota Smith says, just bought the To The Moon shirt. Longtime viewer, keep up the struggle. Appreciate it. That's right. If you go to TimCast.com, click the store. We have this amazing new Doge shirt. It's a Shiba holding cash, and it says To The Moon, and there's coins everywhere. And that one's probably going to be up for a while. I love that one. It's great. All right. Let's see. Let's get some new Super Chats. Uh-oh. Slenzer says, Slenzer, Dave, Malice may be your press secretary, but Tim Pool is chief of staff all day. Ian can tag along and Liz is communications director to keep Malice on a leash. I don't know about chief of staff. I don't know. what would it, well, That sounds that sound like something I would do. I feel like we could find a more uh, creative job for you. Chief of staff sounds boring. I yeah, think you want you're, he- you're a fun guy. Head up intelligence <laughs> or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like director of national intelligence. Yeah, there you go. I'd just be a, you could You no, couldn't be I, worse than the previous ones. I'd be, I'd be much too libertarian. I'd be like... That's just, what that's what we're looking for. I just so. be releasing the documents, like <laughs> so, like the like the head of the CIA would walk in and be like, "All right, we got some very serious intel." And they hand me the report. Yeah, that's interesting. It's like let me let me tweet this real quick. And uh, what are you doing? I'm just tweeting out this to the public so they can yeah. see what's going on. I'm sorry, dude. I'm going to get so many likes on this. The public has a right to know. It's like, yeah, no, I don't know, man. I understand there's a, there's a real need for like confidentiality, classified stuff, and like war and conflict. So that's why I don't want to go anywhere near that stuff. All right. Ian Mitchell says, with Ethereum having moved away from proof of work, miners and those interested in mining should look into Vertcoin. The new Verthash algorithm is ASIC resistant and very GPU friendly. Vertcoin's one-click miner makes it a great, uh, a great intro to mining. Everybody's got a new, a new coin. Mark Jensen says, the ATF just posted a proposed rule change redefining what a firearm is. Would make millions of gun owners felons overnight. Wow. Oh, there you go. Chris Demond says, Ian, took your advice last uh, AM or la- took your advice. I'm starting a new political party, the Southern Secessionist Syndicate Party. Check us out. 
I don't know what that is. Yeah, something about Southern secessionists just has yeah, a little bit of a bad. I don't, bad I don't remember advising that. that I mean, I'm all I'm all for it, but it's just it there's no has such this thing historical as context. a peaceful divorce. Keep that in mind. The federal government will blockade any port it has to. Well, I don't know. Look at the Soviet Union; they broke up. They right, but it was because they invaded Afghanistan and I think and destroyed their economy. That was before they broke up. Yeah, yeah. and right, then uh, they broke up. Too bad I like that band. Wraith Customs Firearms says the financial advice thing started because someone owning stock A would say, buy stock A, get others to buy it to spike value, then dump it. Get rich while others get screwed. Makes Love the sense. show. Shout out to my small business, WraithCustomsFirearms.com. Hey, thanks for the super chat. Paul Meixner says, Tim, I'd like to invite you and the crew to the IVE quadruple eight range day. Shoot exotics, full autos for free. Meet the majority of gun YouTube channels. Prez of GOA, FPC, industry peeps. Wanted to invite you three years ago, but was on Nolan's Tenet. Canceled last year. I'll email you at midnight. Uh, is it near where we're at? Because that sounds great. Can we film it? That'd be fun. Some uh, belt-fed full auto or something. Dr. Doctor says, UBI as a concept is probably more 25 years out unless we have quick advancement in automation and robotics, and it's cost-effective versus human labor. As a former ATC in the Army, I watched... More and more automation, even in my field, plus advanced drones. Look into TAIS. I've been talking about this stuff for decades. I was like a teenager. I was like 16. And I felt there's a serious problem that you could dedicate your life to your to your country, to your community, working hard to be the master at a certain job. And when it becomes obsolete, we just kick you out. It's like, sorry, you can't have access to goods now because through no fault of your own, technology advanced, which creates a problem. However, Luddites aren't good either. Just saying like the, the horse and buggy industry is being destroyed by, by big auto. So it's a challenge. Unfortunately, the problem with UBI is that some people would not work while others work extremely hard. And what do you think is going to happen when rural farmers are, are, are busting their asses and people in the city are doing nothing? Yeah. Eventually going to be like, I am done being your servant and working hard so that you get free stuff. Like I was saying before, I would just say that the concept of UBI in essence already exists. Like the idea that, well, we have this starting point that no one falls behind. I mean, like, it's a rebrand. Right. Like, talk to someone in Central Africa, compare our life to that. We have that. We, we live with that already. So the only question that's important is what is going to lift this whole tide up more and more? And so I think that, uh, honestly, like, yeah, you could look at the guy who loses his job because technology changes, but what about the, 50 guys who gained a job when the technology changed. The question is, what makes us richer and richer and richer? And I don't think that that's government handouts. um, I think it was Darwin said it's not the smartest of the species that survives, but the one that's the most adaptable to change. Right. And you can see that in automation. Yep. And people are figuring out how to be more independently creative and and generate financial freedom on their own. I mean, that's what you got to do. More than ever. This is a a good one. Vash Spector says... Massive gas shortage is due to lack of truck drivers to deliver fuel. Market is down 300,000 drivers and high 90% turnover. I drive 70 hours a week. I would do more if the government would let us. Wow. Yeah. There you well, go. Uh, 1250 a week if you join. Wow. So I'm glad I got an electric car. I bought a Tesla. Because I'm like, I don't want to sit around and wait for the next gas shortage. Like, I, I wasn't around for it in the 80s. I guess it was a gas shortage. People remember it, I guess. I remember hearing stories about people waiting in line. It was like odds and even license plate numbers to try and get gas on certain days. I saw one in uh, New York during Hurricane Sandy. Were you guys there? Oh, yeah, yeah. dude. That was Man, crazy. That was a couple weird couple days. People mm-hmm. waiting all day for, for to fill up their tank one time. 
I've literally Hurricane Sandy was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in my life. Being in Midtown Manhattan and it's like country black. You know, like you can't see your hand in front of your face, and you're, we're walking around with flashlights and stuff. Did a stand-up show by candlelight. Ooh, it was wacky. Nice. Tyler Adams says, "Hey Tim, one person I'd love to be on the show would be Charles Hoskinson of the Cardano Foundation. He's got his own YouTube channel. He's he's politically intellectual and the creator of Cardano, co-creator of Ethereum. His location is in Colorado and worth the interview. Interesting. Don't you know Hoskinson? Full disclosure: I do have Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Cardano. We talked about this the other day. I also have Dogecoin." It's at 69 cents now, 0.69, whatever it is. Yeah, but what is everyone just going to sell once it like it's to a dollar or something? After yep. Saturday when Elon yep. talks about it, Elon there's going to be a huge dump. The Doge That's why everyone's buying right is now. Coming. Yeah. But it's like, yeah. He actually, there's a video of him I saw yesterday where he was like, Doge is a joke, invest, invest responsibly, and yeah. I would yeah. never tell anyone to invest their, their yeah. fortune in this. Kuro Terran says, regarding your the, a video you posted earlier in the day, I'm from Wisconsin. We have castle doctrine here. So the arrest of the man for conducting a show of force when rioters threatened him was a wrongful arrest, dare I say illegal. No. But does that mean the police broke the law and arrested a homeowner who was being threatened by a raucous crowd? Doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound like something the police would do. They wouldn't arrest the the, the law-abiding citizen in his own home who was defending himself from a group of people who had previously been in a house that was set on fire. Oh, that'd be so strange. Weird. It's almost as if the police are taking the side of the rioters because... Like I said last year, the police will show up, see a group of rioters and a homeowner and be like, it's easier to arrest one person in their home than it is to deal with 60 violent people. And, and that they're they're susceptible to political pressure and that when it comes to it, like there are a lot of cops, right? A lot of cops are not sympathetic to these left wing rioters. Mm-hmm. That's not what police are. But – they know their higher-ups are going to get them in trouble. They might be on the news. They might be on this. And so they just go with what's easier. And there's no reason to suspect. I mean, just look at the 20th century. Do you think that the enforcement arm of the state is not willing to just kind of do what is expedient, even at the violation of, of human rights? I mean, we're not different creatures than the Russians or the Germans or any of them. It's the same structure. It's a state and an armed agent of the state enforcing the rules. Bear in mind says I got laid off and was making nine fifty a week from unemployment, and my dad, who didn't get laid off, was only making eight hundred for sixty hours. He wasn't happy. Wow. That's why UBI doesn't work because the people who still have to work because humans are still needed for labor are going to revolt against those in the capital who aren't working but are getting access to their resources. Imagine if every day, actually, this is this is true. Imagine if every day you built a birdhouse and the government came and just took half your birdhouses away and gave it to people who weren't working. Hey, that's kind of happening today, isn't it? No, no, it'd be like if you were building a birdhouse and they came and gave you birdhouse parts that you didn't need as they were giving everyone else birdhouse parts. No, but see, the flaw in that logic is thinking that there is this unlimited supply of birdhouse parts. Mm -hmm. They have to be made. So the idea is like if somebody's working their tail off and making $2,000 a week for it and then somebody else does nothing and gets $1,000 a week for it, that is going to build resentment from the people who are producing the wealth. It's this simple, bro. Imagine you pay rent to live in a house and some dude sleeping on your couch and he doesn't work and he's eating all your food. He better be paying me half of his UBI. He's not not paying you anything. He better be if he's living in my house. This is what UBI is. It's putting a layabout on your couch who isn't working but is getting a portion of your stuff. If you are working every day to make something of value for society and there is someone who is not doing anything, that money has to come from somewhere. 
And if they can't take it from you because you'll freak out, they will print money, devaluing <sighs> your money and your resources, giving it to this person who then shows up and says, hey, Ian, I'll give you I'll give you a hundred bucks of imagine this. You're like, you better give me half your UBI if you're living in my house. And he laughs and goes, it's your money anyway. I don't care. Hmm. The money came from your labor. Sure, you can have half of it. I'll take your stuff. You're still losing your stuff to a layabout. No, in that situation, I'd be making more than I was losing in that situation. I think the problem is that they're printing money. The Federal Reserve can just endlessly print money. Right. That Where do you big, think they're going to get the money from UBI for? From printing AOC, endless money from AOC the Federal Reserve? Well, they want to tax corporations. Deficit. AOC said we should be deficit spending. Huh. I think uh, Andrew Yang said that we need to tax corporations for, uh, what were they? Vets. Va- yeah, value-added tax. Mm. Because I, I just don't understand how we can even talk about taxing corporations. Just stop giving them taxpayer money. Can we work on that first? Mm. Once right. we achieve that, then maybe I'll entertain the conversation about whether we're going to then take the vet, their money back. But and hold, give hold it, on. You know, it's like if you're talking about giving someone a blood transfusion, but you're actively draining blood from them. Like, okay, could you stop doing that <laughs> first? Do that. And then we could stop. So, yeah, blood. I know. But that's, that's what we're doing right now. We're taxing working people and giving that money to corporations and then having these abstract conversations about whether the corporations are paying their fair share. How about they just have to survive or fail on their own, at least as oh, a starting so point? That. Dude, we're paying $20 trillion back to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac mm. over 20 years or something. $20 trillion. All right. Madison McAfee says, I was wrongfully arrested to an FTA for a court case I went to for a noise violation and even got the charge dropped, but they didn't file it. 36 hours in DeKalb County Jail, minus $1,000 was told I couldn't sue because they'd claim negligence. That's justice system. Wow. Yep. That's right. Aiden B. Donian Dunyan says, hey, Tim, love the show and the guests you have here in Oklahoma. They banned critical theory. And now the Dems are trying to argue that banning it violates their First Amendment rights. Mm. Let me just make something clear. The First Amendment doesn't protect the state's right to speak. It protects the people's right to speak. And it protects their right to speak from the government, from the state. So I think it's funny that these schools are like, this is a free speech issue. We don't have to force the state to say anything. We can we can tell the state they're not allowed to speak. Yeah. The people can speak. Well, that's like, I mean, saying like if you banned a public school from teaching that you prayer. Know, t- two plus two equals five or prayer. It's like whatever you want to call it. I mean, like, no, you have every, you know, it's uh, reasonable this, to set standards. Isn't it funny how they're like they want to restrict prayer in schools? And now they're acting like we shouldn't be able to restrict the things like we couldn't restrict speech in schools like. Prayer is protected under the First Amendment. But by the way, critical race theory is just their prayer. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's, it's their, their, it's their religion. religion. Yeah. Straight up. Yep. A. Skidlov says, learned about Dave through comedy, and now I'd vote for him for president. Woo. Smith Gabbard 2024 with Malice as press secretary. Let's go. <laughs> Alex Jones wants to get involved, too. Can I? Is there, is there an amount of money I have to earn and spend to make Michael Malice the press secretary? <laughs> no, that's this is uh, we, we, like we worked this out already. He said he will do it for one Bitcoin a month. No, 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 no. I don't I don't mean to pay a salary. I mean, how do we actually get an administration to win? That results in a malice press secretary. That's going to cost more than a Bitcoin a month. A, bil- a billion dollars, yeah, maybe. That's going to be that's going to be tough. more because you're fighting the establishment. So you'd need like ten billion. But it's only what ten billion could buy you, which is airtime like this. What we yep. what it's going to start as is Michael Malice just being the communication director of a campaign, which will be fun enough on yeah. its own. Yeah. Just him, just wrecking everybody. You have to you have to run for the Libertarian Party. Because then you would actually be getting press coverage, and Michael Malice would be the communications director. Well, this is the plan. <laughs> this is the plan, sir. But then well, you told you me I have to. You're, you're and not now, officially running or anything. As a libertarian, right? I can't do it now. That's right. <laughs> 
You no, must. I am uh, I am seriously considering it, and I'll tell you, if I do it, it's going to be an epic campaign. Yes. It's oh, going to yeah. be it's going to be something that that there there won't have been a libertarian uh, run like this since Ron Paul because I will utilize everyone, Michael Malice. Like you, like everybody who's good at what they do will be doing it. And it's not, it's not about like, my thing isn't like, oh, I want to achieve political power and then use it for this or that. The whole point is to just really spread a message. And like you, like you always say, like the libertarian message is great. And that's what I think needs to be out there. And to call out all these power brokers for their hypocrisy. There, there's, there's contradictory libertarian messages. You know what I mean? There are pro borders and anti borders libertarians. Because sure. people disagree on the extent of what to what libertarian really means, I guess. Well, okay, sure. There are people who disagree on that. But the major problem, even with the border crisis, is all government created. I mean, the whole thing is like, okay, so we have a war on drugs. So then there's these people smuggling all these drugs in. Then we have a welfare state that incentivizes all of these people in there. We subsidize that. Then we subsidize the war against immigrants. Then we have easy birthright citizenship, which subsidizes people coming in. The whole thing is a government mess to begin with. So I, I'm with you. I wouldn't like suggest like right now under current conditions, we just have open borders. But I would recognize that the whole thing is a government mess to begin with. Yep. And the, the problem is always the government. The problem is always the rulers. It's kind of like every time they plug a hole, another hole bursts out. Yeah. And they keep trying to just, you know, maybe just be like, nah, you need to you know, like, let things change. Yeah, we need a bit. new system, we, like a decentralized social network system that is government-backed. Uh, yes. We can build floating islands with automatic power. I mean, the tech is there. Well, look, I, Ian's right. We need a decentralized, more like uh, uh, automatic system of, of border security. I'm thinking like auto defense turret, yeah, 50, 50 <laughs> BMG, full auto. <laughs> I'm kidding. Small drone. Well, I was, look, I was drones. saying the last time I was on this show, I really believe this, that decentralization, some type of scaling back of the power of the federal government is like just in a medical sense the only thing that could save this country because we are on a suicide mission right now and the culture war and all of this is related to it it's everyone jockeying for position for who controls the federal government yep. this is why it spikes every four years when it's your president or my president's going to win the debt is out of control the money printing is out of control this thing is obvious we're obviously going off the cliff and the only answer here is to scale that well that that's a pretty solid start. But <laughs> scale this thing back, more local control, more community control, less federal control. And that's the only thing that can save yeah, this country. Yeah, you can country. build right, voting got, apps uh, where people can yeah. choose where their tax dollars go yes. and things. Yeah. All right. We got a super chat from Dr. Doctor. He says, what I'm saying, uh, I think it means seeing, as an, uh, is what I'm saying is as an air traffic controller, with a, uh, which is a highly complex situationally aware job, it was becoming more and more automated. If that kind of work is becoming automated, even coding is getting closer to being more automated and needing less coders. Well, coding language, like, could you imagine, uh, what, what's, what's, what's the standard code people use, like basic or, or binary, I suppose? Could you imagine, like, hard coding something in just binary? No, that we make coding languages that basically simplify the process and become easier and easier. C sharp. Have you seen, in your experience with minds, any uh, advancements in AI writing the code? Oh, there was a new uh, AI like programming language that could generate programs automatically that MIT just put out. But yeah, I mean that's happening. Code that creates but, code. Yeah. Well, I mean it's just you're you're making more advanced code, so it simplifies to where look look at website development. When I started making websites, I was doing actual HTML and, and things like that, right, way back in the day. And I started animating in Flash, and I was like, oh, this is great. 
Now we're at a point where it's like you drag and drop things. You know, it's like element, 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 and then boop, you just drag and drop. My you favorite know? thing is when like some of these geniuses will come out and they're like, okay, this AI thing is really dangerous. But then they just go back to working on the AI after that. Like it's like we can't even control it. We're like, yeah, all right, this might be a problem, but I'm going to keep doing it. ethical question about AI. If you make the software code free for the AI so you know what it's doing, you can watch its software progress, can you make it so it doesn't? make itself proprietary or is AI just in general can just disregard its own AI license? is not so self knowledgeable that it can dictate its own accessibility to humans I think that people think that AI is a lot more it, it there are risks yeah but it's not like this alien force of higher intelligence that's like attacking us right now I mean we have the capability to control it there you yeah, go. people people think AI is going to be like Skynet Mm-mm. and the Terminators. They think it's going to be like Ultron. In order to end all war, humans must be wiped out. In actuality, what's going to happen is if you turn on an AI to like manage the economy, all of a sudden one day you'd wake up and there would be no shirts, no shoes, a ridiculous amount of socks, and tons of corn everywhere. And you'd be like, wait, wait how do we get to the point? The so AI is a communist? No, because the AI would isn't going to do what you think it's going to do. It would take probably millions upon millions of iterations right. and simulations to get to the point where it functions properly. And even then, after uh, you know 10 billion uh, calculations, it, for some reason, finds we've straight... You know, let me slow down. Here's why I explain it to people. In the future, we have an AI-regulated economy. You wake up, you're like, time to go to work. You look at your phone, and it gives you an address. You show up, and there's like a jagged piece of metal on top of a box. You pick it up, and your phone says, give it to this guy. You walk over to some guy, you give it to him. And then he wa- he says, thank you. And he walks away and then boom, a thousand dollars in your bank account. And you're like, I have no idea what I just did or why. Because the AI would be creating jobs you wouldn't understand or even think of. And then you wouldn't even know what was, what was going on. And that's assuming the AI is actually working in a way to streamline the process. The AI could only do what its essentially based program tells it to do. So it might be like corn is food. Corn is cheap. Corn takes less energy than other forms of energy. Make corn. And then one day you go to the store, there's no beef, there's just a bunch of corn. And you're like, uh, maybe this AI thing isn't doing what, we, what it's supposed to be doing. The problem then is, if that happens over the period of a few generations, people won't realize, and then you'll end up in a future where there's just only corn and other weird products and people are eating like protein cubes. Because the AI isn't going to do what you want it to do. And, and here's the best example. YouTube created an algorithm for finding the best content. They said, what do people like? They love shows that are long, like Game of Thrones. So we need something that has the right keywords in it, that's long-form content, and appeals to a wide audience. So they create this algorithm. What happened? People started, people started cranking out videos of Hitler and the Incredible Hulk singing nursery rhymes together with like this weird, crappy CGI <laughs> because it was generating more views. Those weren't specifically the videos that were the result of 10 minute, the 10 minute algorithm, but it was because of babies. So the YouTube algorithm was like tons of, you know, we get way, the largest percentage of views come from this one area. They seem to like these, these themes, promote these videos. So then people started auto generating videos and the ones that worked on YouTube were insane mishmash of garbage nonsense that made no sense. The Hulk in a bikini with a Hitler, but Hitler's actually got boobs. And it's doing, I'm not kidding. It's a real video. There, and there were thousands upon thousands of them. So the human thought, people like these things. Program it in. And then the AI over time started developing a, a, a taste for the most insane nonsense. And then so the humans who were making those videos were gaming the system. Yep. So the humans were smarter than the AI and were able to no, game. No, no, no. They, all they knew was this is what was getting traffic. 
No, but I'm saying the people who were making those videos with the Hitler with boobs on them and yeah. stuff like that, like they were gaming the AI system. Seriously? They figured out how to do it. Go on YouTube and search Finger Family Hitler, and you will see this video. He's, he's, it's a woman's body with a bikini with Hitler's head with the Incredible Hulk, and he's doing Tai Chi, and it's singing a nursery rhyme that was recorded by some dude in India into like a microphone from the 80s. I mean it 100%. And this has been a problem for a long time. A lot time. of views? This particular video has like 30 or 40,000. But there was a period. Still more than it deserves. <laughs> there were a period. There was a period where there were hundreds of millions of these videos, oh. because uh, there was there was a big problem where there was a, 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 a trend of videos that were like little kids getting injections and urinating urinating on each other, because that's what was getting traffic. So mm. because of that, that's what the that's what YouTube was promoting. People made more and more and more of it, which created a feedback loop. The more they made, the more views it got. The more it refined into the, into a point where insane stuff dominated YouTube and people were watching this stuff. The same thing is true of politics. So social media creates an algorithm saying, show us the things that, have get, that, that get the most watch time and have the most keywords. And what happened was intersectional feminism. So I've explained this before, right? If an article about racism gets X views and an article about sexism gets Y views, an article about racism and sexism gets X plus Y views. And in some instances, it gets X, Y views. So multiplication. And so YouTube starts promoting Whatever has the most keywords in it. So when someone would write an article being like Democratic trans women of color fighting with Republican alt-right neo-Nazis is the fight of our generation, it would get ridiculous amount of clicks because the algorithm would be like, look at all these keywords, feed it out to all of these people and they would see it. That made people go insane. So Facebook was dominated absolutely by police brutality videos because it got so much engagement, rage, justice. People would share it being like, I must do something. Then we ended up with the past 10 years of intersectionality because BuzzFeed, Huffington Post, Vox, Mike, all realized that's how you would make money. That's what people wanted. Right. The people didn't really want that content. They were just being fed it by the algorithms on these social networks. So long story short, we think the AI will be Skynet. Nah, it's just going to scream in your face Nazi 50 it's, billion times. It's possible <laughs> that that was a machine learning algorithm instead of an artificial intelligence. Right, right I understand the difference. So I'd, I'd love to get an AI specialist on here someday to go deep into into that, like the difference between machine learning and AI. Right, right. They're, they're, they're not the same thing, right? So uh, anyway, if you haven't already, please smash that like button and become a member at TimCast.com. We're going to have, I, we might have a vlog episode up tomorrow over at YouTube.com slash CastCastle because we have two actually, but they're kind of the same because we just spent the weekend grilling. But uh, maybe I'll just put them up anyway because, you know, vlogs are vlogs. And uh, if you guys want to watch it, you can watch it. And then we're going to be filming again. So more stuff to come in a couple of weeks. We're going to be going out to the range, I think in about a week. We'll be going to the range for one of the vlogs, and uh, it'll be fun. A lot of, lot, of, lot of gun stuff. So make sure you check that out. Go to TimCast.com. Become a member. You can now use Stripe. And make sure you go to the store and buy your, your Sheba to the Moon shirt. It's greatly appreciated. You can follow this show at Facebook.com slash TimCastIRL. Share our videos. And on Instagram at TimCastIRL. We're live Monday to Friday at 8 p.m., so thanks for hanging out. Do you want to shout anything out, Dave? Oh, my podcast is a uh, part of the problem, and uh, I will, uh, if you're interested in my run for president, I will be speaking at the Libertarian Party Mises Caucus event in Pittsburgh on May 14th next week. Come out, check us out there. The Mises Caucus, Libertarian Party, that's all. Hey, hey, yeah, hit me up, minds.com slash Ottman, O-T-T-M-A-N. Hit me up. Let's do this. Yo, I'm so ready. Uh, I just wish we could have talked more about the Fed, the Federal Reserve, <laughs> and the Bank of International Dude, Settlements. We, we could talk about this yeah, a lot let's more. Go very man. deep. We'll do it. Uh, and also, I think there's a new mug. Is that true? Is the "Don't fight an alligator underwater" mug? Uh, I believe that is up. Actually. It may actually be. In addition to our Shibu Inu to the Moon shirt, there is a. Ooh. 
That's Ian right. Crossland. <gasps> the Ian Crossland Don't Fight an Alligator oh. Underwater Mug is also available. It's I didn't wonderful. know if it was going to post. You want to bring them onto land so that you can fight fight them on your terms. You really don't want to fight an alligator. This is a great, this is great art, by the way. Fantastic art. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. IanCrossland.net. So, for those that aren't familiar, we were talking about don't getting dra- not getting dragged into these troll arguments where like someone will argue with you on Twitter, and then as soon as you counter their argument, they'll change the subject, and then Ian just goes, yeah, don't fight an alligator underwater. And I was like, Mind that was flow. very profound. No, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. That is, yes. Fight I've, on land. I have gotten dragged into way too many of those arguments. Mm-hmm. Yep. Trying very much to stop. They'll, be, they'll, they'll, they'll say something to you where it's like, Joe Biden's the greatest. And you'll say, well, I personally take issue with Joe Biden's policy on this. And they'll go, yeah, well, you're a Nazi, so you, you are a bigot. That's the bait. It's like you're not arguing anymore. You know, don't get dragged underwater with the alligator. You know, I don't want to do it. Just tell them you love them and walk away. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, I, on, on Facebook, I usually just say, like, because I, I don't, like, I don't try to insult, I don't insult people. So I'll post something and then someone will start yelling at me because people are nasty. And I'll just be like, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't understand why you're so upset right now. And they'll be like, well, I'm just saying. And I'll be like, that's cool. Appreciate it. I'm just, you know, don't understand <laughs> why you're angry. Guard. Well, it's like, why are we, I'm not yelling at you. You're not yelling at me. What's going on? Why are you doing it? Mm-hmm. Anyway. And then me, yes, I'm in the corner. I would also like a mug, but I don't have any catchy sayings yet. So until then, you guys can just follow me on Twitter at Sour Patch Lids. And never forget, don't fight an alligator underwater. We will see you all tomorrow or uh, maybe Sunday, tomorrow or Sunday, youtube.com slash castcastle. Subscribe to our new vlog channel. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're trying to build like a 40-foot grind rail so that we can do a bunch of silly things on it. And I guess now we have to do stupid stuff like... Allison was like, we're going to get a swimming pool and then zip line over it. And I'm like, I guess, because mm. we got to film something. So <laughs> maybe a volleyball net in the pool. I'm into it. There Let's we play. go. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. We'll see you all next time.